0: Hello and welcome to the Shay hates everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics and other shit that matters. My name is Shay and today I hate being mentally exhausted
1: all the time. And my name is Kyle and today I hate when dogs are dying. Yeah,
0: that yeah. It's I a think if there's one thing time. everyone can agree with that it's when it's we hate that thing.
1: Yes, so, so what's happening? Not my dog, um, my best friend's dog, mm-hmm. whom I have known. He, Frankie is fourteen, mm. was well, almost fourteen, and I so like I've been friends with my friend since before he got Frankie. Mm-hmm. So I've known Frank since he was a pup. Um, he's a little Yorkshire Terrier, and he basically, so my my buddy just moved out last weekend. And he went back. His parents were gone this weekend, so he went back to take care of uh, his elderly dog. And when he got there yesterday, <clears throat> home from work, it um, it was not moving around like at all. Like, none mm-hmm. of the usual energy that Frankie had. He wouldn't eat or drink anything. When my friend would, like, pet him, his, like, legs would collapse out from under him. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, sh- swaying a lot. Like, he couldn't find a center of balance. Um So my friend called me, like, really freaked out. Um, So I, like, immediately left, and I went and I got him and then took him to this 24-7 vet center uh, in the area, and turns out his blood pressure is double what it's supposed to be. Wow. Uh, And some of his, like, enzymes in his kidney and, like, liver are elevated, Um, and there's some other weird things going on, but none of them point to, like, one obvious, you know, cause. So, yeah. you know, they kind of had to have that conversation of, well, he's 14, right? and the possible causes of this could be like a brain tumor or uh, pancreatitis um, and things that would require surgery, which a 14-year-old dog's probably mm-hmm. not going to be able to handle, uh, especially one who's in a weakened state. Um, so they put a subcutaneous fluid sac under his skin so he'll stay hydrated and then give him some... Uh, hypertension medication to lower his blood pressure um but that's just kind of like a band-aid so we do not know how long the poor guy has um yeah so i let's see i the timing of it was actually kind of hilarious in a terrible way so i had got home and i was playing resident evil 2 I was very much enjoying it. I was. had mm-hmm. just ordered Papa John's, and it just got there, and I just stopped playing. I sat down, and I opened my Papa John's box, and he called. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, nope, I'm coming, and I right. shut the boxes. I put them on the kitchen counter so Harry wouldn't have a feast Yep, and light his ass on fire again. And then... Uh, I yeah I hit the road, so it's like i didn't <laughs> I didn't get to eat, and I didn't get home until one in the morning, so wow. I left at like seven forty five seven fifty mm-hmm. uh right when he called me, and I didn't get home to like one. I was very hungry. I had reheated Papa John's, which was not as good, no, but definitely not. I had two of those pepperoncino things, those little peppers to eat with each slice, so okay. I was like, You know what, this is still good.' <laughs> And I was yeah, so hungry I, that any food was good at that point. I cannot even fathom
0: what I am going to feel when Beamer oh, passes. Like, I can't. It's, I
1: can't even talk about it. <laughs> yeah. He was... Well, because it, uh, Frankie is the dog that his parents got him when he graduated with, like, honor rolls or whatever from 8th grade. Okay. So, it was, like, his dog. It was, yeah. his like, a gift for him. And he and Frank were always the closest. Um Yeah i mm, that's real shitty sucks it's like it's almost like frank was holding on until he moved out you know because mm. it's just like a week after he moved out mm-hmm. crazy
0: yeah well how about we lighten the mood
1: <laughs> yeah sorry to start it off like that
0: hey man It that is a solid hate yeah. I, I, I can get that behind that one, that's for sure. Um so let's talk about some video games. Let's like cheer ourselves up a little bit. Yeah. So um I've been playing a lot of stuff because I finally had that come to Jesus moment with myself where I was like, Hey, it's mid January. I still don't have a game of the year. I need to do this. I need yeah. to play some games. Kingdom Hearts is coming out at the end of the month. And that's going to suck up a lot of time. I'm having a child in two months. And after that, who knows when and how long I'll ever be able to play video games again. So I need to do this. So I played like another half hour of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I just like wasn't into it. I was just kind of like wandering around. I did a little story thing, like some cutscenes, And I was just like, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm going to take a break. Like it's still a good game, but I'm just not getting that much out of it right now. I'm going to play some other stuff. So then I went and played another two levels of the Gardens Between, which we talked about. But that I, like, wasn't getting that much out of because I'm playing it through with a guide so I can get the Platinum Trophy. And then I popped in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, played a couple matches of that. I've been playing, like, a couple matches every week or so. Okay. And I was just like, ah, I'm not really in the mood to dive into World of Light mode. So I was, I was like, not able to find the thing that I wanted to play. So I sat down and started Moonlighter. Yeah, baby. Which is very good. I'm stuck a little bit in that, like, beginning loop, which is a fun loop. Because basically, you know, in the game you are dungeon crawling and then you sell the loot. Like, you run a shop and you sell the loot that you get. And that's very fun, but I'm also having trouble with the dungeon crawling part where I feel like I'm not really progressing very well. Like, once I get to, like, the level 2 of the that first dungeon or, like... Some, there are these, like, portals that you can take into the other types of dungeons that I can't even access yet. And I just get wrecked really quick. So I need to upgrade something. If it's armor or my weapon or my health, I don't know what I need to do, but I need to do something. And I don't have the money to be able to do it yet. So that might mean I'm I'm not doing a good job trying to sell stuff. I might be selling it for too cheap. And, like, I'm... Because I'm, in the game, like, there's a mechanic where... The um, customers will react to your prices and so they'll like be super happy if it's too cheap or they'll get mad if it's too expensive and so I've been paying attention to that and kind of um, uh, changing up the prices as they go but I made a mistake early on where I was like oh I have this new item that I've never sold before I'm going to pick a random price and set 10 of them out there and so then if it was too cheap I just lost all 10 of them and like, that was just a, a stupid thing I should just uh, sell one at a time right. so that was my own fault but I think I feel like I just don't have enough money yet to, like, buy new armor. Um, So, I'm really enjoying the game. It has really good music. Uh, And I like the, you know, the the pixelated graphics. They're not, like, fresh in any way. I've seen it a million times. But they're pretty crisp and clean. Yeah. And the movement feels good because it's kind of that, like, top-down. It's kind of like a four-stick movement sort of thing. Right. Um, Because you can't go diagonally, I don't think, in that game. But um, maybe you can.
1: You can't. I don't think you can dash diagonally.
0: Right, right. So, yeah, I'm having fun with it. It hasn't, like, really wanted... Like, I haven't really wanted to sink in yet. I'm playing it a little casually. So, we'll see how much longer... Because, like, there are, I think, what, five different types of dungeons and several levels in each dungeon. And I've only gotten to, like, level two or three in the first dungeon. So, I'm still, like, very early on. Okay, I yeah. opened up two two shops in the town, but I haven't bought anything yet or upgraded anything yet. So, I'm still pretty early uh and then kelly and i uh just a couple nights ago played through florence which is a mobile game yes. that uh, i picked up based on recommendations from folks on the giant Bombcast, Vinny and abby in particular and uh i wanted to play through with kelly just because it was a short like it's a short you know 35 45 minute game on the phone and it's about like a relationship. So I, Kelly likes watching some games that are like more story focused and not super long like that. So I was like, Hey, let's check this out together. I think my expectations might've been a little too high from the way that Vinny and Abby talked about the story and how, how much of an emotional impact it had on them. And like Vinny, like broke into tears talking about the story in that game. And I was just like, it didn't hit me that hard. I did really love it. It's one of those games where like it only works it would only work on mobile. It it uses those mechanics so well of like swiping and, and scrolling and just like the touch control stuff and it just really maximizes the abilities that you have with the touch screen on a phone as well as understanding how people use phones. So a lot of it's it's very intuitive the way that you would use a phone for normal purposes, texting and that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, like I said, it, it, it's basically about a relationship um, that it, kind of the ups and downs. And in particular this one, the one, the female character, Florence, kind of her story. And um, yeah, it's just the arc of those characters for being so short is like really powerful. Cause like, just for an example, early on in their relationship, when they were first like chatting, There's these little, a little puzzle mechanic where you are taking puzzle pieces and putting them into the text box to like make her conversation. And there's no dialogue or anything. It's just kind of implied conversation. But when you start, there's like five puzzle pieces that you're like, have to put in the right order in order for her to say the thing. But as it progresses, as they get closer and closer, there are fewer puzzle pieces you need to put in. And then eventually, right before they kiss for the first time, it's just one piece. So, like, it's just kind of like that okay. subtle storytelling of, like, it's getting easier to talk to him. They're becoming closer, more emotionally attached. So there's a lot of really clever ways of using mechanics to, to tell the story. So I, th- I think it's five bucks, super worth your money and worth your time uh, if you enjoy those kinds of, like, so- subtle story-based games. And as someone that doesn't play mobile games very often, I'm really glad this was developed for mobile because I feel like they, they, the, the marriage between those things is really good.
1: Okay yeah um, Kara also went ahead and bought it I think she bought yep. it during like while we were listening to the game of the year discussions right. like right. <laughs> I think she went ahead and bought it and then beat it during those discussions um, and yeah. she she really liked it as well why, why do you think it didn't um, hit you in the same way it hit them it's a little it feels a little
0: rushed at times especially okay. like in the middle kind of when it's establishing their happy times in their relationship. That goes by really fast, and then it goes into, like, oh, things are starting to fall apart. And so you don't... Other than the, like, that initial attraction and infatuation, which is, like, really adorable the way it plays out, the actual meat of the relationship part is pretty short in the game. Okay. And so it doesn't feel totally earned. Like, I'm not as emotionally invested as I should have been. And then the ending is a bit abrupt. Um, the way the way it kind of resolves in the last scenes is, is kind of abrupt. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I am like... Not a perfect story, but one really well worth experiencing that um, is a very different kind of game than I have played in a very long time, if ever, this kind of mobile game that's developed in this way. So it's really cool for that reason. Uh, and then I've still been playing some Pokemon Go. i will playing a little bit less just because I've been trying to, to dip my toes into some other stuff. But I kind of came to a realization that um, I am part of the problem because playing through this after that huge rant a couple episodes ago about Pokemon <laughs> Go- Let's Go, I'm like, boy, would I love to see them do this with Pokemon Gold version or I know, the right? Ruby and Sapphire version. And, like, I would still hate the capturing Pokemon mechanics. I would still hate that. I still do hate it in this game. But everything else is fan-fucking-tastic. Like, the way the Pokemon I see them look, the way else. the
1: environments have been realized. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And just, like, like, the game is just dripping with good time vibes. Yes,
0: it's it's so nostalgic, so happy. It's, yeah, it's an amazing game for when you're feeling very stressed out, which I've been dealing with a lot, considering we're moving in a week, I just started a new job, and I'm having a kid, in am in two months. <laughs> it has been a lot going on in the castle household, and Pokemon Go has been helping me get through it. <laughs> and the office, to be fair. Pokemon Go and the office. It's a yeah. marriage made in heaven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what about you? What have you been playing? Um. So, I, in preparation for Kingdom Hearts 3 releasing this week, mm-hmm. uh, I started playing Kingdom Hearts 2. I had nice. a long weekend, a three-day weekend, so on that three-day weekend, I just played a bunch <laughs> of stuff. Um, I probably clocked in around 20 hours in Kingdom Hearts 2 over the long wow. weekend, which is pretty good. I, um, I'm i doing that like second round to all the planets. Right now, I'm, like, level 40-something. I don't think I'm going to beat it before 3, before I start 3. So, I did, actually, last night, I watched um, Barry uh, Kramer, who used to be on Game Grumps. He has his own... He does his own streaming thing now, but he did this really funny, like, poorly animated uh, What is the Story of Kingdom Hearts Uh, summary video that's, like, 30 minutes long, Um, and... So he basically he sat down with this guy who like really fucking knows Kingdom Hearts, and that guy mm-hmm. explained the story of Kingdom Hearts to Barry in about seven and a half hours, um, wow, on a single stream. Uh, so that you can watch that stream, or Barry no, made this you. thirty minute condensed <laughs> video. That's insane. Uh, that's actually it's very funny. He's he's just like poking fun at it as he explains it as well, which I appreciated. But I feel like I'm much better equipped to jump into 3 now. Um, there's still, like, some shit, like, okay, why does, mm. like, I, I don't, so the, also the problem is I never beat, I played, like, little bits of almost every of the, like, um, like the mobile games and uh, or the handheld games. Like, I never beat 358 over 2, but I played it. I never beat Dream Drop Distance, but I played it. I didn't beat Birth by Sleep, but I played it. I didn't beat Recoded, but I played it. Mm-hmm. I didn't beat Chain of Memories, but I played it. Um, so, so I never got, like, games. I know there's so freaking many of them. And then there's apparently a mobile game, and then there's, like, another version of Birth by Sleep that's, like, point two a fragmentary passage. Fucking whatever, man. Um. And so it's like all the story stuff I missed. So like there. Are well, characters, I haven't played I, any of those. Yeah, there are so characters I have never even seen, and yeah. like there's just all this shit going on. So like it was nice to watch the explanation, but even that was like too much. Too much. Um, this this I fuck. It's mm, that that's part, part of it, it It's stupid.
0: It's stupid. It doesn't stress me out. That's ridiculous. But it worries me because. I haven't really read any reviews because nothing I read is going to change my mind. I'm playing this anyway, and I don't want to, like, get anything spoiled. Right. But everything I've seen about the reviews is that it wraps up really well. There have been a few naysayers here and there, but by and large, people are saying, like, this is such a good send-off for this long-running series. Like, people who love Kingdom Hearts will be very satisfied with the way this ends. My concern is, like, because I've only played two of the 57 Kingdom Hearts games... Is any of this going to make sense? Am I actually going to feel satisfied at the end? I don't know yet. And that worries me because I want to feel great after playing this because I love the first game so much. And I still love the second game. Not as much, but I still like it a lot. So, like, I just want to, I don't know. It it makes me nervous. The first Kingdom Hearts is is one of my top five favorite games of all time. Like, I love the first Kingdom Hearts game. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I definitely need to watch some kind of recap video. I was watching some YouTube videos last night, uh, just kind of killing time, and uh, I stumbled across IGN recently put out a, like, things you need to know about Kingdom Hearts 3, which I assumed would be what you're saying, and it was just, like, a six-minute video, so I thought it was going to be super truncated, here are the quick hits of the story, but, like, it only touched in very basic terms about the story because it was more about the whole game of right you know, some of the worlds you visit some of the mechanics that are new and i was like oh well i don't care about any of that stuff so i'm gonna have to dig in this week and find some kind of recap video like you said but even a half hour like a half hour is longer than i would want to watch <laughs> but it sounds like it also isn't enough time to even understand the story so it's, it's not like, <laughs> i don't know not, what to do about that
1: <laughs> that half hour is packed full of shit man
0: yeah so it's how like crazy. how has how has replaying Kingdom Hearts 2 been? Like how long has it been since you've played it?
1: Um oh, it's been years. Like I I don't even know the last time I played Kingdom Hearts 2 cuz I always go back and play 1 if I want to play Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. It's been a long time. So 2 it moves better. I like the like the triangle the reaction commands in combat. It actually opens yep. up like a lot in, a lot of new like traversal options in combat and like continuing being able to continue your combo, keep it going and stuff. That right. all feels really good. I don't like most of the worlds though. And hmm. the uh, the annoying part is like you'll go to a world and you'll spend an hour there. And then you move to the next one, and you only spend, like, an yeah. hour on each world because you're coming back, like, two or three times. Right. Uh, and it's, like, opening new areas and stuff like that. But, like, it, you kind of miss out on the sense of discovery that you had in the first game where it's, like, this large world full of several different areas uh, each place was. So, like, this feels feels limited in scope. It's, it's like they're, they're, like, taking half of each experience and only letting you see half of it each time you visit. And then it just doesn't feel as satisfying because of that. Um, I also think uh, it's bad in that the enemies do not respawn very quickly. So it is yes. hard to grind. I remember that. Yeah. Um, that is frustrating.
0: You cause... have to go... Like, I I remember having to... Like, I would just go to a different planet instead. Right. And that,
1: yeah, that makes it very tedious. Right. Um, yeah. And I like the gummy ship stuff. Like they make it harder than it was in the first game, and so that means it's worse because I know that's my least favorite part of the game. So yeah, like that, they, my they least tried to make part it is just harder.
0: They tried to make the gameplay more interesting so that it wasn't such a throwaway like in the first game, but instead it just makes it more tedious because you don't want to be doing that regardless. Right. <laughs> so um, we'll see how much of it there is in the third game because I know it still is present. So right. we'll see how big of a part that plays.
1: Um, yeah, I don't, mm. I, I'm still really enjoying it, but, because it was, there was Kingdom Hearts, and then it was Chain of Memories on Game Boy Advanced and then it was Kingdom Hearts 2. And okay. so, 2 picks up with all of those super confusing story threads from Chain of Memories.
0: Yeah, Organization 13. Yeah, Ropsis like, it introduces
1: and- all those characters, Yeah, and like, after 2, if you're only playing the console games like you don't even see half of the characters in the universe. Yeah. Like there are so many people involved and like the whole fucking when you die you generate both a heartless and a nobody unless you're a princess cuz they don't have any darkness in their heart so they only make nobodies and like what, if someone dies if you kill their heartless and their nobody they come back? Oh, boy. which is ridiculous. I'm already overwhelmed. So, here's the worst part. Master Xehanort is the Mm -hmm. old dude with the white beard, the Mm -hmm. evil-looking dude with the yellow eyes. He's a piece of shit. Yep. He's a bad dude. he leads Organization Thirteen, right? Like, he's the big bad. So, uh, some of this is still fuzzy for me. Something, like, there's a guy named Terra who was a Keyblade Master, uh, or wielder, I should say. He and Xehanort clash... And they like combine somehow, and he becomes Terra Nort. Uh, okay. And when Master Xehanort, that happens, he generates a Heartless and a Nobody. The Heartless is Ansem Seeker of Darkness. Right, um, who you fate in the fight
0: in the first fight in game. the first game,
1: and the reason why he named himself Ansem is because Ansem the Wise, who is a separate person from yep. Ansem Seeker of Darkness. Yep, he like found the Heartless Zaonort uh, yep. uh, and like and that was part him. of the story in the first game. Okay,
0: yeah, because okay. I remember Ansem, and like you think he's this really. Um, powerful, like, wizard, good guy, and then you find out, oh, he's actually been the bad guy the whole time, and then I think in the second game was where you find out that they weren't the same person. Correct, yeah, they're not the same person. But in the second game, the boss in the second game was different.
1: Yeah, so yeah, so, Xehanort's heartless Ansem took -hmm. the name Ansem because he was raised by Ansem the Wise. Okay. And that's why he calls himself Ansem, Seeker of Darkness. And then... Really Z- good name, though. Yep. Xehanort's Nobody. Yep. Xemnos, which is okay. Ansem, but with an X in it and the letters rearranged, which is what okay. all the nobodies are. They have Who an I X in is them.
0: Th- I think he's the boss in the second game?
1: Yes. Or one of them? He is. Yeah. He, he is the leader of Organization 13. Okay, got it. Xehanort's Nobody. Because he, so he you, looks like. So as he Sora,
0: looks like, you defeat. An- I'm trying to think. Because Ansem is. Because Xehanort. Has that, like, dark complexion, and he's right. bald and a white beard. Yes. Ansem looks kind of like him, and then the Zayab whatever, Z- Zaxus, what's this? What's the guy in the second game that you said? Zemnos. Zemnos? He has, like, he's the dark complexion, but he has, like, white, spiky hair, right? I'm trying to remember. Correct. Yeah. Okay. This is coming together. They, they Listen, all listeners have that, anime listeners hair. Listeners that have not played Kingdom Hearts are banging their heads on their steering wheel or Good. wherever
1: they are right now listening. So am I. So, um, <laughs> in the first game you defeat, you kill Ansem, Seeker of Darkness. Well, yep. By really, you kill him by opening... He opens the door to Kingdom Hearts, and it's light. Kingdom Hearts he, is light! And he, like, fucking disintegrates. Yeah. And it, Because he's all darkness, and he's faced with that much light, so he gets disintegrated, I guess. Sure, I'll buy it. Um, in the second game, you defeat Zemnos. So you have now defeated the Heartless and the Nobody of yep. Xehanort. So in the yep. third game, Xehanort is back, yo. So that's yep. who you got to face. Okay. But the stupid thing is, if you fucking kill Xehanort again, he's just going to make, make another fucking Ansom Secret of Darkness. Like, yeah. nobody fucking dies in this shit. Well, we'll see. I'm sure they'll find some way of making it. Yeah, they'll it write their way out of it. Yeah, that's the whole point. But, but, like, that's what this series feels like. It feels like every time they do something, they're like, "Oh, uh, okay, so maybe instead of this, uh, <laughs> these it's rules actually that we've established. this. Yeah. Right.
0: Let's break the rules that we created.
1: Yeah. It's um, an anime.
0: Let's just be honest. It is. It's an anime with Final Fantasy and Disney characters in it. Yeah,
1: but, like, there's plenty of really good anime. This is not good anime. That's fair. The I story
0: know, has the, I, sh- I should say, like, the larger story has never been the draw of Kingdom Hearts. It, even in the first game, it was kind of hard to follow at times. The second game is when it really jumped the shark for me, where I was, like, rolling my eyes a lot, but I still didn't like playing it. Like, the gameplay and the main characters and the worlds, those are the things that I love when I think about Kingdom Hearts, so... Yeah. As long as I'm not, like, totally turned off by the story or, like, I have no idea what's going on, I'll be fine with it.
1: There's some other important shit. So, you can wield a Keyblade as long as you have, like, touched a Keyblade, I believe. So, the reason why Sora and Riku can wield Keyblades is because the characters in Birth by Sleep? Or something? No. I don't know. It's Veritas, who looks just like Roxas and some other dude went to kingdom or uh awesome. destiny islands when Sora and Riku were babies and were okay. like yo touch my keyblade now you can wield a keyblade peace and they well, that's like fucking, fucking left dumb. and then like uh and then some other chick went and did the same thing to Kyrie possibly so Kyrie could possibly do a keyblade see um,
0: and that's like there
1: because there's there are time so many there's games. time travel also as a part of yeah. this um, because
0: there are so many games that's why it's getting stupid is because they have to keep coming up with things that change it and now it totally undermines how special it was originally right like it was so cool that Sora was the chosen one to be the keyblade wielder and then oh what a twist like Riku also can do that but he's with the darkness like that that was such a cool thing and now just like everybody can have a keyblade now yeah like, whoever it touched it so then
1: also Squall Leonhardt should right. also be able to wield the Keyblade because he grabs it from Sora in the first game, so he should yeah. be able to wield the Keyblade, right? I mean, he's well, got he's the gunblade. Right. What? He's worthy. It's like the Thor thing, sure. or, yeah. uh, or Sword of the
0: Stone kind of thing. Only people that were worthy originally could do it,
1: right? Well, and so like that's the thing is like the Keyblade also chooses its master. Yeah. So even though you're able to wield the Keyblade, it doesn't mean the Keyblade's going to choose you at that particular time. Because there's that whole thing where in the first game, where Riku takes the Keyblade and Hollow Bastion and Donald and Goofy go with him because they got to follow the key. So Sora yep. mopes around with Beast for a while and his yep. shitty wooden sword. And then he makes some speech and the Keyblade comes back to him. And Donald and Goofy are like, hey, we're friends again. Um, <laughs> yeah. We just betrayed you, but we're back. Right. But Riku's like, hey, guess what? I still have Ansem Seeker of Darkness who's possessing me. So we're going to fight. Um, yep. Yeah. This. All right. Some shit about Naminé. Oh, no. So tell me who you think Naminé is. Is is that the little girl with the white hair?
0: Yeah. I don't know what she does, but I can She picture messes her. with.
1: So in, uh, is cha- that where he's in like- Chain of Memories, she okay. takes. Uh, she's She's made by Organization 13 to pull Sora's memories from him. For a reason that I don't remember, mm-hmm. but then she also like goes against the organization and like puts his memories back. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the one
0: that like because in the in the second game you start out playing as Roxas. Yeah, and she's terrible. in that
1: mansion and she's t- speaking to Roxas and all that yeah. stuff. So it, it, is she that the whole one thing there, is like... a simulation. That whole version of Twilight Town is fucking the Matrix, uh, being run by Ansem the Wise, who's all wrapped up in red mummy shit, and he goes by Zid. Or Diz, Diz. Ah,
0: okay. I'm, I remember that character vaguely.
1: Yeah, so that's like OG Ansem the Wise, good dude. <laughs> but I don't know why he's doing the simulation thing. Um, And he sticks. So, all right. The reason Naminé can pull out Roxas's memories and put back Sora's memories is because Roxas is the nobody of Sora. Right. Naminé is the nobody of when... Sora and Kyrie were like combined. It's like when Kyrie's heart pulled out of Sora. Uh-huh. A, a heartless and a nobody were created. Was that what was that in Hollow Bastion? Was is that that moment? Yes. Okay. A heartless and a nobody were created. For Sora, he just became a shadow, which is fucking stupid because he's strong-willed enough to have an actual heartless, but fucking whatever. Um just like Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, like Sora should have had an actual...
0: But maybe it's because he has so little darkness in him that it couldn't create a full Heartless.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Um, that would be my guess. That's a good point. Uh, and then some bullshit happens. So Namine is actually the nobody of Sora and Kyrie, And that's okay. why she can like talk to Kyrie and Sora mm-hmm. and put Sora's memories back. And also fuck with Roxas, who is the nobody of just Sora. Mm -hmm. And Roxas looks like this character Veritas because Mm -hmm. Veritas, I believe, was the one who initially touched Sora to be able to wield the keyblade kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And when Veritas dies, his light goes into Sora. So Sora's part Veritas. And that's why his nobody looks like Veritas. But it's called Roxas. And the reason all the organization 13 nobodies have X's in their name is because Xehanort uses that to track them. To track their location. They have an X in their name simply so that Xehanort knows where the fuck they are. And that's also why fucking in one of the games Sora and Riku have an X on their clothes. That's how he's tracking them. Because a fucking X on their clothes. (laughs) How fucking stupid is that?
0: Well, we're changing our daughter's name to something with an X in it. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to go partying ever. <laughs>
1: Penexlope. <laughs> All
0: right, well, I think that's probably enough Kingdom Hearts because we're going to be talking a lot about Kingdom Hearts for the next Whew. month at least. So what else have you been playing? I definitely need to go watch a video. Because like yes. a lot of what you were saying was like sparking some memories, but the details are not there at all. Yeah. And if all these guys are going to be in the third game, I'm screwed. Right.
1: Um, I started playing Seven Days to Die again. It's a zombie survival game. It's mm-hmm. been around for a long time. It is in alpha 17 right now. The last time so I played stupid. it, it was in alpha 12. So, it is extremely different. Like, it has a whole new lighting engine, a new physics engine, like, new textures for everything, a whole new way you progress and manage hunger and thirst and uh, stamina and all that stuff. So, it's vastly different from when I played it. Um, So, I've been very much enjoying that. I tried Darksiders War Mastered. Uh, I played it for about 20 minutes and then uninstalled it because. The first game? Yep. Yeah. Because it's very bad. We have, I, I we have, have different standards now.
0: I have tried to play the first Darksiders twice. But Bo- I mean, not I mean I've tried to play the the when it came out like maybe a year later and then like two or three years after that. So it's still been a really long time. But I never got past that first area and that first boss battle. Because I was just like, this just isn't that much fun.
1: Right. It's just so. like you're doing the same shit over and over again. It was yeah. It's not good. Um but what is good. And the most important thing I've played is the Resident Evil 2 remake. So, I mentioned I got to play it for about four hours yesterday when it came out. Recording this on a Saturday. Um, I don't know how much more I'll be able to play this weekend, which greatly saddens me. However, I'm having a tremendous time with it. So, I have never beaten Resident Evil 2. Like the original version. Um. I have watched some playthroughs of it. Like Game Informer did a super replay of it however long ago. And I don't know. Some other channel I used to watch that played through it as well. So I've seen the whole game. Um, But I forgot about Mr. X. Um, Because holy shit. There's a part of Resident Evil 2... Where there's a thing that just stalks you the entire time. And you can, like, hear his footsteps in the rooms, like, adjacent to you, like, coming towards you always. And it has to do with how much noise you're making. So if you walk really quietly, like, really slowly, he can't hear you. But, like, if you shoot, like, an enemy, or, like, if you're running in the hallways, creating, like, a lot of noise, opening and closing doors... He fucking comes for you and you can't beat him. He's invincible. And that's He's the big guy. He's like in a big overcoat. Yes. Yeah. 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 That big I totally forgot about him. So yeah. like I I was feeling really good because I was making some amazing progress and like I finally did this thing that there's an obstacle that's been there for a while. And I finally went around the corner and it's like, hey, the obstacle should be okay now and then boom he tosses it out of the way and he's like literally like ten feet from my fucking face Mm. and I freaked out. I freaked (laughs) out. I was screaming. At the top of my lungs, <laughs> running away from this guy. Because, like, you can awesome. run away from him. He's not fast enough. Like, he's just sure. a little bit slower than you when you're running. Um But he moves with purpose, let's say. Mm-hmm. Like, he won't run or jog. It's all walking. But it's like... Mm-hmm. Doo, 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 doo. And he's, like, really, really fucking big. He's, like, twice yeah. as big as you are. And he throws these, like, really long lunging punches. Um Like, you can shoot him and stun him. If you shoot him enough, he'll, like, go down for 30 seconds, and that gives you enough time to, like, get away from him. Um, But I just didn't want to waste the ammo, man. Yeah. Because, like, this is... Ammo's much rarer in that game. Yeah, this ain't your grandfather's Resident Evil 4. Like, this is classic Resident Evil, much like the original 2, where ammo counts, every bullet counts. Um, Because there are just zombies everywhere. And if you don't... Also, like, it's not enough to go for a headshot; It has to be a brain shot as well. Mm. Like, that will make their, like, head burst open like a grape. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, you could, you're just, like, pumping bullets through, like, their jaw. And, like, the facial... Like, all the destruction, like, as you're shooting them, like, body parts and stuff. It looks amazing. Ugh. It just looks... Am- it's grotesque, but it looks amazing. Um, yeah. it That game is tremendous. Oh, don't even get me started on the liquors, man. Holy shit. So... At around the time Mister X comes around, so do the liquors, and you can't really get away from the liquors very well. Um, like they're not good with doorways; like they don't really go through doors. But like if you're in a hallway with a liquor, that's a problem. They're, Which one are the liquors? They're like the skinless things that like crawl on the ceiling with the long tongues. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. and like their brain matter's exposed and stuff. Those things are freaky looking. They look like venom. Like uh, no carnage. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, so they are blind, so they respond to sound. So both, like Mr. X and the liquors, both respond to sound, right? Uh, and I don't want to spoil too much of this, but just like uh, this is just kind of like a mechanic. Um, so <laughs> I ran into this situation where Mr. X was hot on my heels, and I entered a liquor hallway, and I was like, okay, I need to move very slowly, and meanwhile, mm-hmm. like two doors behind me i hear the door slam open and then dum, 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 mm-hmm. dum, dum. boom the door into the hallway goes open and i'm like right under the liquor and i'm like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck <laughs> and then as soon as i get past the liquor i'm like okay i gotta fucking run now <laughs> and the liquor jumps down and it tries to get me and it misses and mr X do down the hallway i'm like fuck and i make it to the save room and i'm like oh oh god i like set the controller down and i save it i'm like i need to take a break man yeah yeah oh just thinking about it oh my gosh
0: <laughs> not my style of game but I, sh- I definitely appreciate uh those classic resident evil games it's so well, the first good two, at least
1: it's so good yeah um and it, ha- it has the inventory system of seven um where it's just kind of like a grid in the top right and you can shuffle stuff around a bit okay um Thankfully the game pauses when you pause, otherwise that would be a problem. Um and there there's a lot of like, oh I found this crank so I can finally put it in the jack in the library to let the bookshelf mm-hmm. down and or oh, I found a gear, so I have to take that to the clock tower and yada yada yada. It's all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of managing key items. But when yeah. the nice thing that this game does is when you're done with a key item, there's a little check mark on it, so it doesn't have any okay. more uses in the game, so you can discard it at that point. Right. That's um, good which is good, but uh, yeah, holy crap, man. It is tremendous. Um, and it has the thing from 7 where like you're finding gunpowder, like different kinds of gunpowder, and combining them to make bullets, stuff like that. Um, okay, so it's added a fair amount
0: of newer mechanics. Yeah, and from, it's from not just
1: original. a carbon copy paste of right. the original too. Like They have put some rooms in different places and mm. expanded on the size of the station and events happen in different places as well um it it is tremendous like i always feel like i'm like the st- police station itself is a puzzle and it feels like you're unlocking pieces of that puzzle and then like it's all it's also interesting because like you you essentially you're like running from save room to save room because um, like no zombies or mr x will follow me in there uh and like before i leave a save room i like open the map i'm like okay This is my route. (laughs) Right, I'm like, okay, these windows are boarded up, so no zombies will be in this hallway. But there's, there's, I think I remember there's a liquor in here. So Mm -hmm. if Mister X is too close to me, I can't go down the liquor hallway because then I can't go slow enough in the liquor hallway not to spook the liquor, uh, stuff like that. So it's really, really fascinating. And I just got out of the police station. Um, I'm now down in the sewers, um, getting ready to fight the creature that is down there, um. Yeah, just tremendous. Um, Just tremendous. It's a fantastic game. And uh, so there's a Leon playthrough, which I'm playing through first, of course, Mm because Leon's my man. And then there's a Claire Redfield playthrough. And I guess Mm -hmm. if you beat Leon's, you unlock Claire B. And if you beat Claire A, you unlock Leon B. So Claire and Leon both also have different... Second playthrough? Playthroughs. Yeah, Mm -hmm. where things are changed which is interesting okay
0: so it's a bit it's it's like a new game plus where they switch some things up it's not a totally new story
1: right i don't know that it's necessarily like new game i don't know that you keep your stuff necessarily yeah but i just mean like it's it's a a reason
0: to replay the same character yeah
1: it is yeah it's a slightly different experience so um yeah they did capcom's on a roll with resident evil right now so they need to they need to keep it up
0: yeah that's cool Oh, so that's, um,
1: that's what I was playing.
0: The last thing I'll say about video game-related stuff is, again, in preparation of my game of the year, I've been listening, re-listening to a lot of video game soundtracks, because ah. I do like a best music category. So I've been doing that while I'm at work, doing a bunch of other random tasks. So I re-listened to the Celeste soundtrack, which is quite good. Uh, just the regular soundtrack by itself is awesome, because it has a lot of um, variation in... Uh, The style or not the style, but like the uh, it's not all like jammers, you know, like there are some down songs when you're exploring certain areas and it really makes me want to go play the game again. But then I played just the B sides, which are like the hidden levels. And those are all like banging remixes of the regular songs. And those are just like those really get me pumped up. Uh, It's just really good, like chiptune ish um, electronic music to listen to while I'm at work. And then I also listened to the Donut County soundtrack, which might be my favorite music of the year. Every single song on that oh, soundtrack wow. is so awesome. It's very like uh, playful and fun and kind of like off kilter a little bit. Uh, and it's just it's just the style of it. It just evokes the style of the actual game so well. And then I listened okay. a little bit to God of War and Spider Man because those are a little bit more like cinematic type scores. And Spider Man, right. like, it's a little bit. It just it feels like a superhero movie soundtrack. But it's a really well done one of those. It's, it's different because it's like th- that kind of music I'm not just going to sit and listen to outside of the game. Yeah. But it, they really highlight the, the epicness of when you're swinging through the city and the big emotional moments. All of that is really well done and tied in together. And then God of War I think kind of takes that to another level where they actually talked about this on the Game of the Year stuff for Giant Bomb. Vinny brought it up. Just that it, it marries the Celtic Setting with the Norse mythology, with the historical uh, themes of the original God of War games, and it kind of like combines all of those together. Yeah, I kind of I described it as Game of Thrones meets Lord of the Rings meets Hell. It's kind of like the (laughs) vibe of the soundtrack. It just has all the like really low bass, like the do do yo whatever that kind of stuff. It just feels like super masculine and hardcore. And then the moments where it's a little bit softer, like moments between Kratos and Atreus, like all of that is is really well done. And then obviously the huge epic moments are much uh, bigger and grander than the just like stomping of drums kind of thing that that is the the normal vibe. So really good like uh, variety of soundtracks I listen to. So I'm going to listen to a, a bunch more over the next couple of weeks. As for what I've been watching... Uh, I actually watched a couple of movies, so I sat down and watched Venom because I felt like I needed to see it. And I'm going to have to do the same thing with Aquaman in the next couple of weeks is just watch it. It's not good. Like, it's a bad movie, but I kind of have difficulty, like, working up the energy to... Rip it to shreds because I just don't care about it enough to like be mad. Like I didn't, I I never thought it was going to be good, and I was never all that interested in it in the first place. So I can't be like upset that it was a bad movie. It just is bad. Like the effects are pretty terrible. Uh, the story is dumb. It like makes these huge leaps of logic that don't make sense, and characters a lot of times will do things that don't make sense for the character, but it ha- they have to to justify the plot. In particular, like, the Venom character, early on, his whole thing is, like, he like he has a sense of humor, but, like, he wants to eat people all the time. And so Tom Hardy, like, his Eddie Brock is like, yo, you can't do that, we need to work together. And he's like, no, I'm going to do whatever I want. And then magically, at the end, he's, he's like, hey, we, you need to get me back to my ship so I can escape and get off this planet because I don't want to be here. And then you find out, oh, he was trying to get back to his ship because there are a million other Venom-like symbiotes that are going to come here and kill all of us. And then the main bad guy, I mean, I'm spoiling Venom a little bit, but the main bad dude, who's just a dude, he gets absorbed into Riot, which was their like leader symbiote. And so once that happens, then Venom's just like, actually, no, wait, we need to fight Riot and not let him escape because he's going to bring all the other symbiotes here to kill people. And Eddie's like... You were gonna do the same thing. Why do you now not want that to happen? And Venom's like, I decided I liked you now, and like that's his justification for like becoming a hero instead of a ba- It's it's so thin and stupid, and it makes no sense. Uh, All right, it's 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 not good. I love Tom Hardy. I think he's a brilliant actor. I also think that sometimes when he creates these types of characters, he can become a little bit of an overactor. I certainly think that happens here. Like, his character of Eddie Brock is so bizarre and weird that, like, I feel uncomfortable watching him. And so that, again, made it hard to sort of connect with the story. Michelle Williams is, I think, an Academy Award-winning or Academy Award-nominated actress. And she plays the love interest, so she, like, gets to do almost nothing. And she looks like a China doll... Like they did something with her makeup or something where she's constantly shiny and she looks like she's made out of porcelain and she has a really bad wig. And so that's really distracting. The only positive is that um, a dude, Matt Cornwell, who played uh, Craig, a role in the Dreamwriters pilot that we made. He was the head writer who gets fired in kind of the cold open. He's in this movie. He has like a small role. He plays one of the scientists. So that was like the best thing I could say about Venom is that. Buddy Matt Cornwell's in it. <laughs> <laughs> similarly, I watched First Man, and I don't mean similarly in that it's a bad movie with bad effects, but similarly in a friend of mine is in this. Ben, the British dude from one of the main characters from The, um, the Office, from Dreamwriters, has a role in this uh, in, a, in a couple of scenes. Nice. Uh, which is funny, and I need to text him and make fun of him because he plays a scientist, or like some kind of NASA dude. He's like one of the guys that's in the um, control room talking to the astronauts, and he convinced me that he was smart, which is like the best <laughs> thing that he could do as an actor. I believed that he was intelligent for like eight minutes. Uh, but yeah, this it's it was it it's very good. It's just like. It's just a really good movie, (laughs) which is like very (laughs) generic praise. But that's just kind of how I felt about it. It, It's long. It's like almost two and a half hours, but it doesn't really feel long. The pacing is really well done and like the structure of it, because I assumed it was just going to be about the like Apollo 11 launch and that was going to be the story. But it really starts kind of from the beginning of the Gemini project, which is where they first start it's everything that led up to them trying to go to the moon. So like Gemini had like 18 stages and then Apollo had 11 stages and it was Apollo 11 was the actual lunar landing. So it's that whole process over like six years that you're seeing Neil Armstrong's kind of arc through all of it. And I I think that, um, baby goose, uh, what's, what's his actual name? Ryan Gosling. Okay. He does a really nice job. Him and Claire Foy, who plays the wife, they're both very subtle portrayals. Like the characters are kind of small. Like, like that sounds like a negative, but like they feel they don't feel like they're in a movie. They feel like they're normal people living on a quote unquote normal life despite their extraordinary circumstances. Which is kind of refreshing, because it doesn't feel like it's overly bombastic or like the stakes are so much larger than they like the stakes are large enough as it is he is an astronaut he's going to be one of the first people to go to the moon he could die at literally any second over the course of these like eight days that he's in space the stakes are high enough you don't need the movie to like make them higher for any reason like to concoct any bullshit drama uh so i thought that was really well done um yeah, it, it it was just kind of cool to see the whole progression of the Gemini project to the Apollo project and all the astronauts that were involved, all the little things that they need to test and do. Because like each stage, this is the first time anyone has ever done it. Like the first time someone goes in space outside of a spaceship, like all that. The first time someone orbits around the entire world, like all that kind of stuff. Right. They don't really tie into the space race with Russia that often there are a couple little references to it. And there's one particular thing where like, they're super proud because they think they're going to be the first EVA where like they go outside of a spaceship and the dude that's going to do it, he's like all pumped up about it. And then they see on the news, Oh, Russia just did this. And so (laughs) it's like a couple little moments like that, but they don't, that's that's just not really the story. It, the story is about Neil Armstrong, the other astronauts around him, and his wife, and kind of how it strains their relationship with their kids and whatnot. So it, it's just, I mean, I'm very, well, actually I should double check. I don't think it's nominated for many Academy Awards. Like, I don't think it's nominated for Best Picture or anything, which I'm kind of surprised because I thought it was, it's that kind of like quality film that the Academy usually celebrates. But no, okay. instead they nominated Black Panther, but I'm not going to get into that. So, yeah. Um those are kind of movies I've watched. What about you? Um the only movie I watched was Bird Box. Sure. Kelly um, really wants to watch it cuz obviously we loved Quiet Place, which you did not love.
1: Um Okay. <laughs> this movie is bad. Mm. Like really bad. Okay. Not quite offensively bad, but really bad. <laughs> yeah, I really which is weird seen... because a lot of people are like Bird Box is great. Like that's see, like... I haven't
0: seen that. I've seen a lot of memes oh. about Bird Box, but okay. I haven't really seen that many people talking about if it's good or not. Like people enjoyed it because it's crazy and over the top, but I haven't seen anybody saying whether it's good or bad. They're just like Sandra oh. Bullock, and she wears a blindfold. Let's make jokes about it.
1: Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, there's value in those jokes at the very <laughs> least. Um, it's a, again, same with Quiet Place. Interesting premise. Horrible execution. Um, so but maybe i love it then. But not for the same reasons as okay. I did not like Quiet Place. This, okay. nobody acts well. Um, even uh, John Malkovich. Yeah, I saw that he was in this he's just a i mean i okay they they do all right he he john malkovich does a nice job because he's he's there to play a dick and you immediately hate him but then like they try to like redeem him a little bit at hmm. some point and it's like just it doesn't fucking work it's mm-hmm. written so po- it's written too poorly for it to work and it does the thing where oh all the shit went down and now we're all in a house together and we're a bunch of strangers and we're all very diverse backgrounds right like what were you what were you oh i was this i was this like oh we're all so different mm-hmm. and it's like that's the most tropey character archetypes possible yep. um and it's like a bunch of dumb bullshit happens and people being <laughs> stupid um and then, no one
0: like, in horror movies deserves to live. They correct. all deserve to die cuz they're all idiots. Yeah. Except for A Quiet Place.
1: Okay. Um <laughs> <clears throat> waterfall. Um so uh <laughs> there's uh, so Sandra Bullock has like this love interest guy and like he's he comes on like way too strong and he's creepy and okay. she likes it and I don't fucking <laughs> well, get why. <laughs> Maybe she's into
0: that. I don't, don't know. Don't kink shame her. Maybe she likes psychopaths.
1: I don't know, man. And like, and then you're supposed to like feel bad when all this other stuff happens, and you just don't. <laughs> um, yeah, and like, there's two kids with her, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, who are the kids? Are they her kids? Are they someone else's kids? And you find out, and you're like, okay, yeah, I guess that that's, that I guess they went with the obvious choice, not like mm-hmm. the hey, we got you choice, which is a decision you can make. And then the end of the movie. Is like this weird fairy storybook ending where it's like, oh, it's all going to be okay. And like they have that like, it's like bright around the edges in this place. And like something's weird with like the motion smoothing. And it's like, oh, this place is perfect. It's heaven. Like it was, this is a bad movie. Well, we're probably going to watch
0: it anyway, because I know Kelly wants to see it. And I'm curious, just because everybody on the internet's talking about it, and I want to see it so obviously is a reaction to A Quiet Place. I want to yeah. be able to compare them, because I loved A Quiet Place. I know you did not, but I loved that movie. And so I'm curious to see like how it compares. So I'll probably end up watching this, even though I hate horror movies and I hate Sandra Bullock. I don't know why I would put myself through this but I'm probably gonna.
1: Yeah. Like the setup and the premise is more fascinating than the quiet place. One was like quiet Place is Just like, Hey, powerful monsters. Okay. That could hear everything. This is like, this is a lot more insidious and like kind of disturbing in the way in how it does things. Um, and like, that was very interesting. It just doesn't, they're, they're unable to execute on it. Well, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, Uh, yeah. The only other thing I have is I finished the second book of the Night Angel Trilogy. Your black-on-black black book? Yeah, my black-on-black black book. It's, just, it's very good. It's very good. Oh, I, I thought hate you
0: didn't like the first one.
1: No, I, it's extremely good.
0: Oh. I thought there was some book you read that we were talking about last episode or maybe the episode before that you weren't that into. I don't think so. Maybe not. Okay. Well, that's good.
1: Yes. It is good. People <laughs> should read it. The Night Angel Trilogy by Brent Weeks Night Angel sounds like an anime it does it probably is
0: <laughs> well this is probably going to become a tv series or a movie at some point cuz that's all like all books that are written now are only written so that they will be adapted into a screenplay i feel
1: i don't know this is uh it's the version i bought was the 10th anniversary version and it came out like a couple of years ago so okay. it's old enough that probably yeah, not yeah maybe not
0: yeah, I saw – there was a trailer. I think it's a Netflix series called, like, The Umbrella Group or something. And it's based on the comic book written by – I can't remember his name. But the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. He, like, wrote <laughs> comics for a while. And okay. he was good. Like, I read – he wrote something – like, a, some kind of Marvel comic. Like, a popular character for a little bit. And I thought it was pretty okay. I think I'm remembering that right. But anyway, this is his series, and they made it in a TV show. And it looks – it's goth X-Men – teenagers and it's it just seems so trite and overdone and i'm just like yep this is yep this is exactly what i would expect <laughs> from a comic book movie like this where everything's been done before and now we're just doing the same things over and over again right There's nothing new about this so whatever um so still watching scrubs i'm like halfway through season eight so i'm almost done season eight is not it's not it's not that good It has one great episode, the episode where Turk and JD end up like hanging out with this old black dude who's dying, and it's just like them sitting in the hospital room with him, and that's like most of the episode. And that episode is phenomenal; like that's one of the best episodes of Scrubs. Period. But pretty much every other episode in season eight is not that good, because the they this is when they moved from NBC to ABC, they slashed the budget. And a lot of the actors weren't even in all the episodes. Like, there are a couple episodes that Turk aren't in. And then Elliot leaves for a little bit. There's an episode where JD's not in it. They just recorded some VO of him. And so he's, like, on a cell phone the whole time with Elliot. And a lot of that just, like, it ruins the momentum a little bit. Uh, But I am thankful to Season 8 because at least it gave us an actual finale for the show. Because the way that Season 7 went is so unbelievably terrible and disrespectful from NBC that I wanted to like remember what happened so I went on to Wikipedia. So here's the story of Scrub season 7. Oh boy. So it was 2007, which is when the writers guild strike happened, which what? also affected that's what in the it was the office season 4 was happening that's why that season was so short. So that's when the writers strike happened. They had only made 11 of the eight, 18 planned episodes before the writer strike happened. And Bill Lawrence, the executive producer and creator of the show, was not willing to continue to work. Like, he didn't want to do the whole, let's hire non-union writers to help finish this. He wanted to support the writers. So he refused to shoot the rest of the episodes. Uh, so ABC Studios came in and they went ahead and said, no, we're going to go ahead and do that. So they had non-Writers Guild episodes due in episode 12, which was going to be uh, the finale of the entire show. So it was going to be written not by his writers, but by random writers who were going to come in and write the finale of his seven-year television project. Oh, wow. That would suck. So during the strike, NBC announced that both The Office and Scrubs. Uh, we're going to be replaced by Celebrity Apprentice because they didn't have enough episodes of either of those shows. So then NBC said, actually, instead of even airing these episodes of Scrubs, we're just going to put it on hiatus. Uh, and then, uh, so the I think it's the 11th episode had aired, which was My Princess, the like fantasy episode that I think Zach Braff directed. That episode was filmed way after so they wrote it, but they hadn't filmed it. So they uh, filmed that way after. Even though Bill Lawrence refused to go, he didn't go to the shooting of that episode because of how shitty NBC was being. Wow. And they had picketers like on set while they were filming that episode. There were picketers because of the writer's strike. And uh, there's a rumor that Bill Lawrence tipped off the picketers that they were filming there. <laughs> so that, that's kind of funny. Um, so after the strike ended... Bill Lawrence announced that those last remaining six or seven episodes would be produced and shot and edited. And he didn't know what was going to happen. But he said, yeah, we're still going to, like, we will make this happen. And it was just kind of him saying it. Well, that isn't what happened. And instead, NBC aired the episodes out of order because they wanted My Princess that it was more that fantasy episode because it was a little bit more... um, of a unique episode. They aired that as the season finale, hoping that it would draw more viewers and enough to justify a season eight. And it didn't. So My Princess was the last episode of Scrubs to aired on NBC and then it was canceled. The thing that pisses me off, because I just rewatched this for, you know, dozenth time, a couple episodes before that. Dr. Kelso gets found out that he's too old, and so they force him to retire. But then they fight back and they say, okay, Dr. Kelso, you don't have to retire. But instead he goes, actually, I'm going to go ahead and retire anyway. Fuck y'all, I'm out. So he leaves the hospital, and then he kind of comes back in a supporting role, and he's kind of like hangs out just for funsies. And that could have been the finale. My Princess was supposed to take place before all that happened. So while, like, all that happens and then the my princess episode happens and during the my princess episode he's still the chief of medicine.
1: Oh jeez. So like
0: it's totally out of order in the story. And it's like it really it's very frustrating to watch. And part of what's annoying is cuz I re- I'm watching it on Hulu and they didn't like rearrange it. It's still in the order that it aired, which I get it. There's no real reason for them to reorder it except for the fact that it doesn't make sense the way it is. So that was quite frustrating. So at least for that I'm thankful to ABC and to season eight for at least bringing the show back, giving it a true finale and a true wrap up. Cause NBC after the show was on for seven years, it was one of the most popular shows on the network leading up to those last couple of seasons. And they just were like, we don't give a shit about this anymore. It's just really shitty way to treat that show. Yeah. So I'm like halfway through season eight. I'm not looking forward to watching season nine, which is the interns show. Ugh. But I'm gonna have to because I wanna I wanted to watch the whole thing. That was the whole point. So it's gonna take me a while to get through it because I never want to watch it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so last episode we talked about House of Cards, which I had started, so I watched the last couple episodes. It it's it sucks. It's real bad the way that the show ends is so abrupt and unsatisfying and, like, comes out of nowhere. There are tons of side stories that aren't even, like, left unresolved, but not they don't even address them. Like, they don't even set it up as, like, this is open-ended. They just, like, ignore that those side stories were even happening. Huh? It's like they rushed it out or something, where they were, like... Because normally the, the seasons have all been 13 episodes, and this one, I think, was eight. And so it's, like... Like, they were in episode 8 when they were writing it, and then they were told, oh, we're only doing 8 episodes, so you gotta wrap it up in this one. And so they didn't have the extra 5 episodes to finish all of those stories, they just had to cut it off. That's how it feels, it's that sloppy. Yikes. The biggest thing that is annoying is that, you know, I talked last episode about the whole feminist thing and how it has a lot of interesting things to say, but it isn't always handled in the right way, and in fact becomes very sexist against men. My assumption was, because especially in the last couple episodes, a lot of the women start challenging Claire, which I didn't expect because they hadn't yet. And that was part of my problem with it early on, was that every woman was like, yes, men are the worst. We should get rid of all of them. And I was like, okay, this is becoming like a cult. Something bad is going to happen. And my hope was that eventually Claire would like get her comeuppance. She would be found out that she's a liar and literally a murderer. Like people would take her down and that starts happening. Like the women in her cabinet and some of the women that work for her are going, you're kind of, you are kind of going too far. And so Claire just fires all of them. And then I'm like, okay, this is the whole show has been there. They're Frank and Claire are such terrible people, but you're in, it's like a breaking bad. Like they can't, they're not allowed to have a happy ending, even though we're invested in this character. They are still a bad person. They deserve to be punished for this. Right. And she isn't. She gets what she wants. And I'm... Well... I mean, that, that kind of already spoils it. But... There's a whole... There's a third character... Who was basically Frank's right-hand man. And... He idealized Frank. And so everything he's doing in season 6... He believes that Claire is responsible for killing Frank. Well... That's complicated. He says he believes Claire is responsible for killing Frank. It turns out he actually killed Frank because Frank was on his way to come kill Claire. So instead, he stopped Frank by killing Frank. It was a really stupid storyline. But his whole thing is he's trying to take Claire down because he knows that she never really loved him. She was just using him for his her like ability to kind of grow politically. And so he's trying to take her down. So he finally confronts her. And this is when I'm like, okay, now it's finally going to happen. She's finally going to get her comeuppance. And then... He's going to be the sad, broken hero of this story. And she murders him in the Oval Office. And that's how it ends. The end. And she like looks at the camera. And it's basically like, a, I win. And that's the end of the show. She is like inciting nuclear panic. She is starting World War Three against the Russians. And that's how it ends. There's like no resolution to what happens with that, but it's like they 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 frame it like it's positive. Like, "Yay, she she did it. She gets to stay as the president. No one is left to try to take her down. Good for us." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so that's a choice. It's it's so it is so shitty and so terrible. I I cannot believe how bad this season was. Because it had it had its ups and downs. Season 3 wasn't that great. Season 5 wasn't that great. But the first like the first 2 seasons after after I had finished watching season 2, which is when Frank becomes the president, I wanted the show to end after that because like those first 2 seasons were literally the best television I had ever seen. Better than the Sopranos, better than the Wire, better than Breaking Bad. It was the best television I had ever seen. And to see how far it has fallen. It's like The Office. Yeah. Where it's like the first four seasons of The Office, other than Seinfeld, is like the best comedy show of all time. And by the way, by the time it ends in season nine, you're like, thank God this show is over. That's how it felt with this. Only worse. Because it was weird it was worse than those last couple seasons of The Office. It sucks ass. And it's so frustrating. And then finally, still watching Kitchen Nightmares. So, just because okay. I've been stressed with work and everything that else, I don't... the one you said you don't like? No, Kitchen Nightmares is, is classic. That's classic oh. Gordon Ramsay. That's where, like, he comes into a restaurant that needs his help, and he, like, fixes it up after a couple of days. And it never works. Like, literally 95% of those restaurants end up closing within a year. Uh, but it's not... It's, 24 Hours to Hell and Back is the new version that's of Kitchen right. Nightmares. That's that's what you're talking And that about. one, he tries to do it in a day, and that's just, like... It's just, there's not enough time. You just don't buy it. This, it's like a whole week. But it's just, it's just fun because most of the people are assholes and they're in denial and he just embarrasses them. And that's just fun to watch. Just because I've been so stressed out with all this stuff. Like, if I don't, if I don't want to commit to like watching a new show or playing a game, we'll just sit down and watch a couple episodes of Kitchen Nightmares and it's very relaxing which seems weird because he's yelling for an hour every episode but it's still relaxing somehow (laughs) all right so that is everything we've been playing watching and reading so let's dive into some news there's actually a lot more news than i would have expected so this first thing sony uh lets you look at your 2018 playstation network statistics so kyle do you want to talk a little bit about this so i can take a drink of water
1: yeah, so um, it's, like, this little it's a little website you can go to where you sign in with your PSN account, um, and it, like, tells you how many games you played, like, what your top games were, and how many hours you spent uh, online and offline and all that kind of stuff. Um, so Shay and I have compiled our list of things. Um, yep. I guess let's... Maybe we should just, like each little category each touchstone you and i both say what we had so um i only played so and this is only playstation network like i i do a lot of pc gaming as well and like nintendo switch and all that stuff so uh in 2018 i only played 13 different games wow yeah only 13
0: that is not very many at all no no it's not because i play, i had 30 which for me was not that many. It felt like, and a lot of those were 2017 games because I, you right. know, like I that carryover happened a lot, so I even I played even fewer 2018 games. But I was like, ooh, thirty, that doesn't seem like that many. What were your? Because it also it shows your top games that you played the most of. What were those?
1: Destiny Two was my number one. That was also my number one. I Eighty-seven was at hours. Ninety-seven hours. Nice. Ha. Um, Red Dead Redemption Two at okay. fifty-three hours. Okay.
0: My second was Assassin's Creed Origins. Again, like, that carried over into 2018, which also 53 hours.
1: Nice. And then uh, Persona 5 at 24 hours, Huh. which was weird.
0: I don't even remember that you playing Persona 5.
1: Yeah, Kara and I
0: played oh, quite okay. a bit of it. My number three was Fallout 4, because I did, and I, like, restarted a playthrough. I think it was in the summer when I was bored. Okay. So I had 30, 37 hours in Fallout 4
1: in nice. 2018. Yeah. Um... So, how many total hours of gameplay? One thousand one hundred and thirty-nine,
0: which it said it was more than in twenty seventeen, and I did the math, and it was 47 and a half
1: days. Wow! I only yeah. had three hundred and forty-six hours. Damn! I just a lot of PC games. Yeah, I, I'm, guess. I was just playing everything on PC this year. Because you,
0: you, you definitely played more video game, more hours of video games than I did
1: this year. Oh yeah, for sure. So that just shows how many hours on PC you play. I know. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I will say my, my friend who, because we looked this stuff up while we were waiting on his dog in the, in the, in the vet office. Um, he was at over 3,000 hours. And we did the math. That's It was 43% of his year last year was spent playing games on PlayStation that's insane, 4. Man.
0: That has to be, there, some of that time has to be idling it has to be that's way too much
1: yeah I mean uh, he, he had like he had well over a thousand hours in overwatch wow yeah and then like several hundred hours in destiny I guess that makes sense because I'm trying to think back like when I was super
0: hardcore into like call of duty I had over a thousand hours played in in like modern warfare 2 and modern warfare 3 and black ops 2 like I had over a thousand hours played in all those. So that makes sense. I mean, it logically makes sense. It shouldn't make sense, but it does. (laughs) Uh, So it said my longest streak, like my longest session was 10 hours, which I have a hard time believing is accurate. I have to think that some of that was idling because I, there's no way I would be able to sit and play for 10 hours. Even if I wanted to, that's really long.
1: And Um, it was probably fallout four, if I'm being honest. Minus 13 hours. Jeered Lord. And that is actually accurate because I remember it was Red Dead Redemption 2. I okay. woke up early in the morning and I played Just until played I went the to bed. entire day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. How many days did you play out of 365? 169. I played 69. So nice. you played 100 more days than I did.
0: So what <laughs> is that? I mean, it's less than half. I yeah. I feel like that's not that bad. No. Um and it said my most played timing like time periods, most of my gaming was undone on Sundays of all the days, which makes sense. Same hand and in the evenings, which also makes sense. Mine was, mine was
1: daytime well, but Sunday. Oh sure. Normally I just like I have Sunday all day Sunday off, so I, like wake yeah. up and play all day. Um, what were your yeah. uh most played months? Like your three top months? Did you get that?
0: Ooh. So mine, unsurprisingly, were January and February because I was, pl- I was grinding through a lot of 2017 games, which will probably be the same this year. One, because I'm grinding through a lot of 2018 games in, t- in February, January, February of 2019. But also, my daughter will be born in March. So after that, my gaming time will probably significantly drop. But yeah. I, had, I had, of my total 1,139 hours, 214 of those hours were in January. And I played okay. six games that month.
1: Oh, I I do have it here. It's it was in the table. Um, July was my most at seventy four hours. Okay, uh, two games wow. for seventy four hours. Wow, must have been Destiny and maybe something else. Yeah, because uh, and then no- November, which makes sense. It would have been Thanksgiving break. I had fifty seven hours. Yeah,
0: August was my number three, so that was probably also a lot of Destiny too. Yeah, uh, and then how many trophies? probably way uh, less than mine. Yeah, not, your, I your only
1: your had 94 games. trophies. 85 okay. of them were bronze.
0: <laughs> so I had 421 trophies <laughs> this year. Only one platinum, which is kind of surprising. I'm trying to remember what that platinum was. Uh but Yeah, that that kind of surprised. cuz I think I have like 15 or 16 platinum. So that's kind of surprising. But I had Did 19 you Platinum golds. Spyro? No, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That's okay. what it was. Weird, cuz that was only at the end of the year. Crazy. Uh so yeah, 19 gold, 66 silvers, and 335 bronze trophies. Did you get a <laughs> did you did, did you get a title? Like I at the end when it shows your like last scorecard, it, it should have like a in quotations like it calls you something. No, I did not grab that. Mine mine is called Masterful Adventurer. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious to know like how what different titles and levels there are. Because I wonder if there's one above Masterful Adventure. We should ask We should ask uh, your, your buddy and see if, if he got a title. Yeah. he obviously played way more than I did. <laughs>
1: even. Yeah, maybe I just didn't spend enough hours to earn a title. Yeah, not worthy. <laughs> so that's a cool
0: um, thing. Uh, yeah. If you play on PlayStation Network, it's just fun to see. Uh, I would have liked like a full breakdown of all the games I played would have been a cool thing to see. Um, But maybe they'll do it for 2019. So I'll have the link to that on the show notes on ShayHatesEverything.com. So check that out, and uh, you can go see how how much of your life you wasted playing on PlayStation 4. Hooray! (laughs) Uh, So last episode, we talked about the fact that Bungie had left Activision, and it was taking Destiny with it. So Bungie kind of laid out some plans for the game. Not so much plans. They were just kind of like recommitted to the roadmap. So they said they're still going to be honoring the full annual pass that had been promised. um, That they're going to find ways to double down on the hardcore players while also making it easier for new players to jump in. One of those was figuring out new catch-up mechanics. Not catch-up like the red sauce, but catch cat cat catch-up like a baseball catch-up. I don't know why I'm having trouble saying that. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> yeah, are you having a stroke? <laughs> uh, so that'll be interesting to see how they kind of work that out. But um, it's going to be in, like, future seasons. So I think they're in season four right now, maybe. So that would be something probably in season five. No specific details on what's going to come after the rest of the annual pass content. But uh, they they said, hey... The vast majority of the team still working on Destiny. It was kind of one of those where, like, we're leaving Activision, but we're not giving up on Destiny. It was just kind of more of, more of that tone. Right. Uh, that's like, still I'd their main focus. be up
1: to play more Destiny. I am not. I might be. I'm done. I'm done. I'm I mean, not, not going like to spend any more money. I not, like, a significant amount. Like, a few days, pump some hours in every now and then.
0: Fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. At this point, it's, like, fool me nine times. I'm not going to be fooled a tenth. <laughs> won't get fooled again as the who say
1: uh, uh sure you're going to buy anthem
0: yeah but it let a different game at least it's
1: it is the same thing
0: i, I think it's going to have gameplay i think it's going to have a better story though no we'll
1: see i, I have there that brad, is an exceptionally the did you watch the giant bomb bar. thing where, where brad went and saw the behind the closed doors stuff no watch that the story it's like it's the same well whatever <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying it anyway
0: I'll, I'll find out for myself I know me too but since we're already talking about it let's go ahead and jump because we there are some more um, anthem gameplay that got released uh, which I was kind of, it I've been pretty up and down on anthem to be honest like I certainly have a lot of fears based on my experience with destiny and a lot of those kind of like Multi co op multiplayer ish games because I usually am not going to play co op multiplayer, I'm usually going to play by myself. So that has made me nervous. So seeing this, it's excuse me, it certainly still seems like the teamwork aspect is the most important part. But I was relieved to see that the different classes are very significant, significantly different. That was one thing in Destiny where like. The characters, like, yeah, they had different supers, some different moves, different sorts of grenades, but it never really felt like they were that vastly different. Right. This, it feels like they are very... Like, these are more MMO-style character classes. And that I like. Um, it's going to make the teamwork element a lot more fun, which we should figure out what classes, like, you want to play, and, I like, if Cody plays and that kind of thing. Yeah. So we can uh, strategize. Well, that, well, that's
1: the thing is, like... You pick before every mission. Like you can you can change your thing basically whenever. Like, oh between that's missions. not
0: what I saw. What I saw was you pick a class and then you have different loadouts for that class and you pick a different loadout. No. I think if you are you sure? Yeah. Interesting.
1: Well that's what that's what Brad was saying. Hmm. You seems... you, you pick whatever class you want to play before each mission. So do all of them level up the
0: whole time or do they, do you only you're, level up? You're you're getting them when you loot
1: for them? I believe for you're getting loot for all the different ones. I think interesting. But also could... like Brad played a single mission and he had like 16 pieces of loot for various wow. things. So like you get a ton of loot.
0: I could see that being a problem just in like one having too many options. And two, it taking a really long time to level those up if you want to play a bunch of different classes versus just committing to one. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And there's a lot more customizability. Talking about the loot, uh, tons of different kind of like appearance options and color options. Uh, like I mentioned, having different loadouts for the same suit type I think is really cool because you can have different moves and stuff depending on what your uh, setup is. Like, if I want to play the big hulking character, I can have one for solo play and I can have one for multiplayer play with different kind of attributes and different skills, which that that just makes it more um, customizable. And then um, a lot of it still feels pretty generic. Like, the flying around and the combat and the story and the characters feel like I get a lot of Destiny
1: vibes. Yeah, the flying around looks like Dark Void, which I'm all about. Yeah, that The the annoying thing is, though, it's on a cooldown. Right. Which sucks. Like, why would you have this awesome way of moving around the space and then fucking put a cooldown on it? That sucks. I think because they want you to explore
0: the areas. And if you could just fly from point A to Z, you wouldn't do the side stuff.
1: Well, I think no, because the, the way the way it's structured is there's like a free play mode where you can like go around and do whatever, like fight enemies and get loot and stuff. But there's also like missions, like you launch a mission and then you fly like from point to point in that mission.
0: Hmm. And you can't. That, go and do that's side the main way you interact in with the game. Interesting.
1: All right. Yeah, I, I think they did it so you can't just like always fly away from combat or just hover above all the enemies all the time. Sure. Like I get that, but like. That's going to be the most fucking fun part of the game, man.
0: Well, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully the combat is just as fun because a lot of the combat yeah. looked looked pretty cool. Like it's fun to see the different tactics come together when you're playing in a team.
1: Yeah, the shooting a looks a little stiff, though. Yeah, but but Bethes- that's it, it. Looks like they they Mario took Wars like what they has. did with Andromeda and kind of yeah. like made some tweaks and improvements on it,
0: which I think is fine. I mean, yeah. The, the combat in the Mass Effect games was never the biggest draw. The actual gunplay was never the biggest draw. So I won't be surprised if that part of it isn't the best.
1: But then, like, what is there? I know. I Because hope with the rest Destiny, of it, it's about how good it feels to shoot.
0: Well, that's because all the other elements are so lukewarm. So if the world building is better in this game, if the story is better in this game, don't think the it loot is. is better in th- You haven't played it, dude.
1: I know, but, like, you're taking oh, one, man, what you're I saw one was not good. Op-
0: you're taking one person's opinion, and it's someone that you complain about all the time. Like, you don't even respect Brad's opinion on most things. Right, so but no, just, he like...
1: had recorded gameplay, like, showing it. And it, like, does not... Well, we're going to find
0: out, all right? I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry to, sorry of, to drag you down with me.
0: Uh, speaking of uh, finding out and being unhappy with the result... <laughs> <laughs> Bethesda came out and said Because there were a lot of rumors that Fallout 76 Was going to go free to play because the sales were really poor The reaction has obviously been really poor There were rumors on Reddit that like They're taking the game off store shelves And that's in anticipation of it Becoming a free to play game Bethesda came out and in a response on Twitter Said There is no truth to these rumors It is not going free to play So Fall 76 is probably going to go free to play in about a year, <laughs> but it's not <laughs> happening right now. <laughs> right. And I mean, I can't do anything with it. Like I can't go trade it in cause it's not worth anything. I'll probably get $5 from GameStop, but I don't think I'm ever going to play Fall 76 again. It It's bad. I tried, I tried to hold on for a really long time and I just can't anymore. It's a bad game. So that sucks.
1: I, I'm going to jump back into it the next time it gets like a big update.
0: We'll see. I just... the It's not even the bugs or anything like that. It's just the elements that are there are so underdeveloped and underwhelming. There just isn't... I don't find anything up in that game to be fun. <laughs> or, like, I don't find anything in that game to be more fun than what I can do in Fallout 4, I guess I should say. Like, I would just rather go play Fallout 4. So. Yeah. Because, like, the shooting is worse, the stories are worse, there are no NPCs, the enemies aren't any different or special. Like, nothing about it is as good as Fallout 4, so it doesn't deserve to exist, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I just feel like I've seen everything Fallout 4 has to offer at this point.
0: I have too, but I would still rather re-see it. (laughs) Because (laughs) I have now seen what Fallout 76 has to offer, and it's not that much. Like, a bunch of audio logs and notes, like, that's not enough for me.
1: You have been found wanting... Yes.
0: Um, so, similar sort of topic. Fall 76 isn't going free-to-play. Similarly, the president of Nintendo, Shintaro Fu- uh, Furukawa, has come out and denied any rumors that Nintendo Switch is going to get a price cut or that they're looking at the successor yet. Like, they're still doubling down on the Nintendo Switch. They originally had said on the roadmap that they wanted to sell 20 million units in this fiscal year, which ends in, uh, at the end of March. I don't think they're particularly close to that, but he said, hey, that's still our goal. And we aren't going to cut the prices to try to get to that goal. We aren't going to make a new model of the Switch to try to get to that goal.
1: So I don't think they're going to get to that goal. But I mean, does this mean they have like a big release coming out soon? No, they don't. Then how the hell is that I mean, going like, to happen?
0: New Super Mario Brothers U just came out and that's kind of it, right? Like, I'm trying to think of what even else the Switch has coming out this year. Let me take a look here. So, we've got Yoshi's Crafted World comes out end of March. Okay. And then, tentatively, like, announced games. Animal Crossing.
1: New Pokemon. 3 is
0: not coming out this year. Damon X Machina, maybe, that they announced that at E3. Um... Mark the Ninja Remastered. (laughs) Luigi's Mansion 3 is supposed to come out this year, which should be good. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is coming out this year. Metroid Prime 4, which we'll talk about. That definitely isn't coming out in
1: 2019.
0: No. Untitled Goose Game and Town, which Town is the um, Pokemon people. It's their new game, but I don't see that coming out in 2019 either. No. I guess they did say they thought it would. So they definitely have some games coming out this year or tentatively coming out this year, but not enough early in the year to hit 20 million units. Right. But hey, I mean, Switch is selling very well. It just isn't measuring up to the Wii, which is the fastest-selling console of all time, so it's not really fair.
1: Yeah, it does not appeal to as wide of a market. Yeah. So on the Metroid
0: Prime 4 conversation, that was partially what made their E3 press conference, if you call it that. So underwhelming was a lot of the big games that they had announced last year's E3. New Metroid Prime, Pokemon. I think that's when they announced Yoshi. They announced... um, What else did they announce? Something else that hasn't happened yet. But anyway, Metroid Prime 4 was one of the big announcements there. Bayonetta 3, that was the one that they announced that we haven't seen anything since. Um, So they announced Metroid Prime 4 and then we haven't heard anything about it. It was just like a title, like oh Metroid Prime 4, and we don't know anything about it. And everybody's like, "Ooh, is Retro working on it?" No, they were not, which was very disappointing for a lot of people. Well, be happy because now Retro is working on Metroid Prime 4. They are scrapping everything they had been they uh, the developers had done on Metroid Prime 4 and are starting over from scratch with Retro. The same, I think the same creative director, the same executive producer dude But he's now working with Retro. They have specifically said the development time will be extensive. So, not 2019 for sure. Probably not 2020. Like, maybe not until like 2022 at this point. Right. Which is, you know, think about it. 2022 is only three years away. So, that kind of begs the question, like, is this even going to be a Switch game? If they're really starting over from scratch and they're anticipating several years of development... So that's a bummer because that was going to be a huge hitter on the switch, which right. now we have to wait so much longer for. It's a big reason why it, some people bought a switch. Well, they shouldn't have. Like just a title card announcement is no reason to buy a console. That's on them.
1: Yeah, if you're like, going to buy, it for it's, it's part of the package that they're selling, right? Like, eh, hey, there's going to be a big Metroid game for this console.
0: Yeah, and uh, y- they called yes? it
1: Metroid prime four like a a main series numbered title like the implication there is it's going to be a large scale metroid game
0: absolutely and not to give companies a pass because they shouldn't announce something unless they know it's going to happen right but that's been around in the gaming industry long enough where games are announced and then totally canceled out of nowhere Buying a game or buying a console for a game that you have seen nothing of nor a release date for,
1: is dumb. Like, but you I'm not saying do... like that's why people bought it. But it's part of the story, right? It's part yeah. of part of the sell. Is, that's fair. hey, all their main franchises are going to be on this because they're really. It seems like they're really bringing out the big hitters. They have these things announced, so I could probably there's some stuff to play now, I could go ahead and buy it with the expectation that later I get all that stuff that I really fucking want yeah, right. that's fair uh,
0: so, I mean, it's a bummer, we're not going to see it for really a really long time but, the silver lining is clearly the game wasn't coming together very well, since they cancelled development and start starting over Right. and, the people you wanted to make Metroid Prime 4 are now going to make Metroid Prime 4, so, all in all I think it's a net positive, we just have to wait way longer so here's some kind of bad news. Yeah, this is um, kind of crazy. Uh, so this it, yeah, this is it's very crazy. So little backstory. So it's about Machinima, which was one of the biggest gaming YouTube channels over like the past decade, if not yeah. longer.
1: They used to host um, Red versus Blue.
0: Yes. Yeah. Rooster Teeth was a huge Machinima contributor. A lot of people, a lot of like gaming content creators, got their start with Machinima um oh, like if not like the majority of the biggest <laughs> gaming content creators right. got their start with machinima uh so last year machinima announced that they were going to merge with Otter Media and people didn't really know what that was going to mean for the channel and then content creators started coming out and saying oh they've told us our content's no longer going to live on Machinima. It's going to go over to this new network called Fullscreen. And then there was some other stuff of like content creators saying, oh, I have a contract with with Machinima, which they're saying now is canceled. Or they told me I was going to go onto Fullscreen, and now they're saying I'm not. So there was a lot of confusion for content creators. This is in the wake of some pretty significant drama and not conspiracy, but like negativity around Machinima because they had the whole thing about news stories coming out about their predatory contracts with, like, content creators that were trying to break in to YouTube. And so Machinima was taking advantage of them, and not giving them fair rev share comparisons. And then the whole thing that happened with Xbox One marketing campaign where they were paid to do, like, positive um, reviews and weren't disclosing that. So literally the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, came in and, like, pursued action against Machinima. Like, this was the federal government coming in and saying, this is fucked up. Which is like, oh, that's... So Machinima has not been that positive of a place for a while. Which is part of the reason I'm sure that they needed to merge. It's because they were losing Mindshare, etc. But they still have like 12 or 14 million subscribers. It's still a huge YouTube channel. So, the merger with Otter Media went live about two weeks ago. And a couple of days after that, Every single video on the Machinima YouTube channel was deleted. Like, we're talking tens of thousands of YouTube videos. All of them were deleted. And right now, there are zero YouTube videos on the Machinima channel. If you go there and try to go to their videos, it shows you, like, 18 videos that that YouTube channel liked. They're not even their own. Like, it's it's one of those, like... Like, if someone just creates a YouTube channel so they can comment on YouTube videos, it's like that. Only they have 13 million subscribers. (laughs) It's absolutely insane. So, no idea what's going to happen with this. Uh, obviously all of those content creators that had their videos on Machinima, none of them were given advance notice. They right. just like woke up one day and all of their old videos, which to be fair, they don't own Machinima owns, but all of their old videos are gone.
1: But like, I assume they're, they're also still getting rev share from new views on those yes. old videos. Yeah. So sure. now that's not possible anymore. That's
0: true. That's true.
1: Uh, so
0: who knows what's going to happen with this? It's pretty nuts. I would assume it's, I mean, I don't even know. Maybe they're just going to totally kill machinima now because of everything else and like rebrand it or something, or maybe they're just starting from scratch. It just seems crazy to delete all of that content. I wonder if it's a legal thing where part of the merger was like Otter Media doesn't get rights to the machinima stuff. And so that's why they're deleting it. I don't, I don't know. It just seems absolutely bonkers for them to delete like literally tens of thousands of videos. Like they put up they put up dozens of videos a day back in the heyday. Yeah. It's so much content. Hundreds of thousands of hours of content. It's nuts. More bad news. The creative director of Cyberpunk 2077 has left CD Projekt Red to join Blizzard. Um he had been with CD Projekt Red for 12 years. There wasn't an announcement or anything about this. Somebody just found his LinkedIn page, and it now said that he's a creative director at Blizzard, and he no longer with CD Projekt Red. So he kind of worked up. He was a narrative writer, then um, a narrative director, story designer, and now creative director on uh, Cyberpunk 2077. So this is definitely a bummer for Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk's game because he was kind of one of the visionaries of it. He was leading the team, so that isn't awesome for them as, as they're developing to lose right. one of their major creative voices. Uh, that's a and big coach. Yeah. For somebody that's been with the company for 12 years and everything always says how positive of a place it is to work. So you can't imagine, well, who knows? We don't know, but it's hard to imagine he left because there were some like big problems at the studio. And so that just tells me like blizzard, Probably paid him a lot of money (laughs) to come. Uh, He is now creative director over an unnamed project. The assumption is that it's an unannounced project. And um, in the Game Informer article that I'll link in the show notes, it said, hey, this might make sense for him to be creative director over the new Diablo game because Blizzard has said they kind of want to switch up the mechanics and stuff of the next Diablo. So that that could be kind of where he is, but
1: the only time will tell. Um, this next one. Did you watch this? I saw some images. I did not watch okay. it. I couldn't bring myself to. So, hot new game announcement.
0: Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. So, I think this actually leaked, and then they went ahead and announced it. Uh, it's a Power Rangers fighting game. It is coming to you PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, PC. Releasing in April, they say. And it looks unbelievably terrible. Like, it looks like a little kid made it. The graphics look like mobile game graphics. Yeah. And, I mean, it just looks stilted and not creative. It, it, this is the definition of... So, you know how, you know, AAA games, and then there's the, the the B-tier games that never really happen anymore. Like, a game like Darksiders 3 is like a B-tier game, or... Um, Even games that used to be B-tier, like the Metro series, has now become AAA because making games is so expensive and so hard and takes so long that it it requires that much more investment. So the B-tier is kind of gone. All of that to say, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid really comes across as like one of those classic D-tier games.
1: (laughs) Right. Okay, I I did just watch the trailer. Are these Uh two guys in the trailer, are they like... Is this first dude one of the original Power Rangers, and then this second dude, like, one of the new Power Rangers?
0: I don't know who that other dude is. The one... The the one, the one, guy with the ponytail, he's the Green Ranger. Slash White Ranger. He's the one that's been in every single Power Rangers iteration, ever. And I think he's, like, a
1: UFC fighter now. Okay, so the dude in the green jacket... Uh, I'm
0: pulling it up right now.
1: I'm assuming so, because this other dude looks pretty young
0: yeah the young guy i don't know who that is the way that he's dressed and the way that he looks makes me believe he is probably an actor on power rangers
1: maybe like the new red ranger or something
0: right but yeah the guy in the green jacket i don't remember his name but he is the he's the green ranger from the original okay power rangers show
1: well hey you know what at least he got a he got another paycheck Oh for for a Like literally literally
0: he has been living off of the Green Ranger for twenty years at this Hell point. Hell yeah, man. Get if for not him. more. Yeah. Uh yeah. It's it, it it looks it looks quite quite bad. Yeah, it does. Um so this next one, it, it's not a game announcement, just some new news about the game, but I didn't know this game existed. It is the new game from the developer of her story. So this is called Telling Lies. It is another live action game you know, whatever that whatever that's called. What's that? What is it? What's FMV? the FMV. FMV. Thank you. I couldn't think of the acronym.
1: Full motion video.
0: Yes, full motion video. So, it's the dude that made her story, which was awesome. Super creative and unique style of game. Uh, and so they are just about to finish shooting. They're shooting in NLA because it's live action, so they have real actors. So then all, obviously all the development needs to happen. So, probably still not going to see it in 2019, I wouldn't say. But... This is especially exciting because this game is being published by Annapurna Interactive, who, for folks that don't know, they are becoming one of the great indie game publishers out there. So they published what remains of the Finch*, *Florence*, which I talked about. Which is ironic um, go- that
1: they're indie publisher because it, it indie being independent development. Do you get it? No. Because independent developers don't always have, like, a publisher. They usually do. Like, true independent. No, they usually do. Well, now they do. But, like, back in the day, they didn't.
0: Well, I guess. Like, and you could still self-publish, but a lot of them. Right. Like, uh, like, Finji. They did Night in the Woods. Like, um, and I think they did Donut County as well. Like, they're an indie-focused publisher. They're a very small team. Like, yeah. I understand what you're saying, but this is this is it. It is very common. Yeah, um, but Annapurna my, my also, guess is
1: that Anapurna Interactive, much like a lot of other like Chucklefish and other uh, mm-hmm. publishers that work with indie developers, allow them a majority of creative control in a way oh, that 100%. large publishers do not.
0: Hundred percent. I think it's more about, and and this is I'm making assumptions based on like Finji hearing. Some of the folks from Finji on like the E3 giant bomb at night stuff they do. They have the folks from Finji on a lot. Yeah. And they talk about kind of their process. It's all about like, how can we expand the reach of this game? That's their focus. That's what they bring to the table. Not, not we're going to help you make your game. Right. And so I don't know anything about Annapurna in that way, but the core of it is they have published some of the best indie games in the past couple of years because they, oh, I was wrong. It wasn't. Finji that did Donut County, because it was Annapurna that did Donut County. <laughs> they did Goragoa, which was an awesome mini game this year. They did Ashen, Xbox Live game. They are publishing Gone Home on Switch. So, like, they're doing some really good shit, which makes me that much more excited to see kind of what they come up with uh, for this um, game after her story. So, that, I guess, was announced, that game was announced like a year ago. I just missed it. So, this, oh. this, this story was about them talking about the casting and so i was like oh wait i didn't even know this game was happening so now i'm super pumped for it okay transitioning from video games to movies i like to like structure these of like video game news and then like things that are both video games and tv and then into film i feel like like yeah yeah you're very clever i'm like a news editor like (laughs) i should like i could be i could be like part of the washington post Actually, that's not true because I'm a moderate. I'm not a liberal, so I couldn't work for almost any newspaper. But uh, so there is a rumor. It is a rumor, but it is a well-substantiated rumor that Netflix is currently in talks with Capcom to do a Resident Evil show. Deadline is the one that reported it, which is one of the reasons it's a pretty well-substantiated rumor. They're saying they have multiple sources, saying that they're currently in talks. No details. No details. Uh, Specific details, like we don't know if it would be an animated show or a live action show. The biggest thing is that it will not be a straight up retelling of any one or all of the games. It's more just like in the Resident Evil universe. And that would focus more on like the Umbrella Corporation, the genetic modifications, and taking that kind of tack. Which So that style of horror versus the more focus on like some of the supernatural style horror that can sometimes happen in Resident Evil. Right. So you obviously know way more about Resident Evil than I do. Is this something, or you're more into it? Is
1: this something like you'd be excited about? Yeah, I would be interested. Like if it was a complete tonal shift from like what the movies do, because the movies is all camp and like right. very self-referential, At, over the top action, dumb. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they I would they be were more successful, interested though. if this was more of like a drama. Yeah, that for could sure. be pretty fascinating. More um, like like a legit horror drama yeah. show. Yeah and i think there's uh there's a way you can do that properly and those are especially those, with umbrella
0: those are super in vogue i mean it, yeah. it, it, i'm kind of surprised it took so long for that to become one of the big television genres because like american horror story that was like 5 or 6 years ago right. and that was like that was such a, a a cultural touchstone moment that when that first season happened and that show was phenomenal that first season And then it kept going and I think kind of jumped the shark in a lot of ways and I haven't watched it for a couple of years, but it took a long time for there to be more mainstream horror television shows, but it feels like in the last year or two, there are a ton of them. Yeah. So, it kind of fits in line with what Netflix might be looking for. They pick up a lot of video game properties. They have, like, you know, the Castlevania show. They're doing a lot of, like, comic book and uh, anime adaptations. So, like, they're really dipping into that more niche, nerdy, cultural cultural crowd. So, this totally, to me, fits in with their aesthetic. And they've proven that they care about the source material and they do it with respect. Right. So, I don't particularly care about Resident Evil, nor do I care about horror shows, but if I was a Resident Evil person, if anyone was going to make a Resident Evil show, I'd feel much better knowing that it's Netflix doing it. Versus the majority of cable networks.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree.
0: Um, They are already working on a sequel to Detective Pikachu. Of course they which are. is something. Like, that movie doesn't come out until May, and they've already hired a writer. Uh, his name is Oren Uziel. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and I should know because this is multiple times I've mentioned him, and if you recognize the name, it's because he's also writing the Sonic movie that we talked about. He's also writing the Men in Black International that we talked about in the last episode or episode before, so he's having a pretty good year. He's a busy <laughs> guy. hired for a lot of projects. Um, since the first movie hasn't come out, it is impossible to say what the focus of the sequel would be, Right. but it, this shows a lot of confidence in that movie, which makes sense Pokemon Go was so insanely popular. Pokemon Let's Go has been popular. They're doing the remake, the CGI remake of the original movie. Like Pokemon is is coming back in a big way. So I, I think they're kind of saying we're really doubling down on this franchise and we're yeah, gonna keep making them. Yeah, it's it's just like I guess they just want to get a head start so that they can put out the second one like a year after the first one comes out. But right, it's pretty nuts. Movie comes out in four months and they're already writing the sequel. <laughs> Another sequel. I'm just so good at this. Like, the transitions... I make them so easy on myself. We got a teaser trailer for Ghostbusters. Starring the original cast. The remaining original cast. Because... What's his face? Uh, Harold Ramis passed away a couple years ago. But... It's just Are we a little teaser. Get ghost of Harold Ramis. Oh, I hope not. That no, there's no way they would do that. That would be so disrespectful <laughs> to like CG ghost a dude that passed away. <laughs> That'd be awful. Uh, so it's just like a 30 second teaser where it shows like the ectoplasmic ray gun thing flashing, and then you there's like a cover over a car, and it flops up, and you see the Ghostbusters insignia, uh, and then I think it does like a little na 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 stinger at the end of it. But uh, it's supposed to come out in summer of twenty twenty. All like I said, all the returning or living members of the cast will be back. The rumor I saw is that actually the main characters are going to be kids, and that the main guys from the original series will be the supporting characters, which could be interesting. Like if they do like yeah. a Stranger Things sort of vibe, right? Because Stranger um, Things is really cool.
1: popular. The new It movie, like right. I mean that has always been kids, but yeah. like that was popular as well. Like that was well received. So, I'd
0: be super interested in in what happens. I had no issue with them doing the female-led Ghostbusters movie. It just looked aggressively unfunny, which is why I did not want to see it. I had no problems with them destroying my childhood memories of Ghostbusters. Because yeah. who fucking cares? But. All I had
1: to do was not watch it, and that's yeah. what I did.
0: yeah. I am still much happier to see that if they're going to make a new Ghostbusters movie, that the original crew will be involved in some capacity. That's the positive. Yeah. We got a first trailer for Spider-Man: Far From Home, which it's probably hard for you to care about, Kyle, because you haven't even seen the first Spider-Man.
1: Because I already know I
0: want. Shut up. (laughs) So this one is weird. Did you watch the trailer? I did. Okay. It it
1: looks like another good one of those movies. It looks like a Marvel movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I loved Homecoming just because I really liked Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and I liked the smaller scale of the story. Uh, This one seems like it's it's undoing that a little bit. It takes place in London, which is really weird. You do not see very many stories with Spider-Man outside of New York City. It might make a little more sense because um, they have already come out and said that this movie takes place after infinity war Endgame. so maybe the fallout of that causes spider-man to have to leave new york city i mean they go on like a field trip is the story but yeah he's they're, like they're, he's on a field trip but there might be some other reason that he feels like he needs to get out of new york city but they obviously wouldn't spoil that in the trailer i'm just trying to figure out like why why set this in london it just seems weird
1: yeah and like he leaves his suit behind and stuff too so right and samuel l jackson um <laughs> Nick Fury, I should
0: say. Obviously, Samuel L. Jackson is in it, but that's not the character. (laughs) They're just so synonymous. Yeah, they're just so synonymous at this point. Nick Fury's in it, which will be cool. Uh, He's kind of like coaching him a little bit on stuff and kind of sucks him into being a superhero in this. Um, So, the big characters that are in this Mysterio's in it. Played by Jake Gyllenhaal, which. I just don't know how to feel about Jake Hall. I don't yeah, like I mean, him, neither. but I feel like he's become a much better actor. Like, he's like a Matthew McConaughey. I, f- yeah, I feel like where- that, too.
1: Like, over time, he's gotten I'm starting more to respect him better more. at it. Yeah. Like, Leonardo
0: DiCaprio, Matthew McConaughey, Jake Gyllenhaal, all those guys, like, I laughed at them earlier in their careers as being just, like, pretty boy hacks, but, like, I have to start respecting them more because they've done so much more consistent good work and right. not, like, like, Brad Pitt, I don't throw in that. He's had a couple good performances, but by and large, he's still not that good of an actor, but these other guys, I feel like they're starting to earn my respect. That said, I'm still not, like, the biggest Jake Gyllenhaal fan, so he's playing Mysterio. I'm not sure how to feel about that. The main enemies in the game are the elementals, which are sort of more um under the radar villains in Marvel, like they're not it's it's not like Electro or Doc Ock, like it's not the classic Spider-Man villains. Right, Raven the Hunter. Sure. Um which was surprising because when I first saw this there's a big one in like that's a water guy and I was like, "Oh, it's Hydro-Man, which is a classic Spider-Man villain." But then it shows the dude with the rocks and then the fire guy and I'm like, "Oh, okay, well that's not what that is." And like, "Oh, shit, yeah, it's the Elementals." So those characters are four of them: Hellfire, who's the fire guy, Magnum, who is the rock guy, Hydron, who's the water guy, and then Zephyr, who is air, who I don't think you see in the trailer. I might be I might be misremembering, but I don't remember. Maybe you him.
1: do and you just didn't know it. Right. Uh, so,
0: here's my theory, right? I'm sure this isn't a unique theory. I'm sure other people have the same theory. But, Mysterio's whole thing is that he... Well, I should say this... Unless they're gonna... Because there have been multiple Mysterios. This character's Mysterio, unless they're gonna change him... But if they're doing the same thing... He does—he has no actual powers. its He's a magician. It's all tricks... And misdirection and lies. And he manipulates people into believing certain things. And that's how he is a villain. So my theory is that the Elementals aren't actually there. Mysterio... Because in the trailer, Mysterio is fighting the Elementals. And he like tells Spider-Man something like, hey, you need to leave or something. Like trying to save Spider-Man. So my theory is that Mysterio... Is pretend like He created the Elementals so that he could look like a good guy. He could look like a hero when, in fact, he is a villain. That's my very broad theory on what's going to happen in this. Because there's no way Mysterio can be a good guy. Like, that wouldn't happen. So it's either like, is he teaming up with the Elementals? Are they going against each other because they have the same goal but are on opposite sides of it? I just think that the Elementals aren't even real. So we okay. shall see. I'm super hyped about it. Homecoming is one of my favorite Marvel movies, so I'm I'm uh, have a lot of anticipation for this guy. And then finally, announcement trailer for a new Netflix show called Space Force. Yeah. It is created by Greg Daniels, the co-creator of The Office, and Steve Carell, star of The Office. It will also be starring Steve Carell. The concept of the show is that it's based on Trump's Space Command arm of the military that he kind of wanted to create. So, the little teaser trailer, like, you don't see anything. It's just kind of like, it's happening. It's
1: text. It's very Mass Effect. The, like, <laughs> right. the... The, um, oh, what's that called? The arc of a planet. Yeah. It's slowly turning in space and there's just text and orchestral music. Yeah. So we don't, I
0: mean, we don't really know anything about it. My hope is that it's not going to be too political, like Trump bashing or like making fun of that. Not because he doesn't deserve it, but because I'm just sick of that. Like yeah. it's, I'm just bored with uh, yep. Trump's a moron. Like c- you, let's be clever. It's like when, with the George Bush stuff, like people are like, Oh, he's a bad public speaker. Right guys. Like, yep, he is. You're the eighty eighty thousandth 80,000th person person that has said that. Like, it's just so tired. So hopefully it doesn't become political and it's just more about a go- a new government agency. And it's more of that like workplace comedy style that Greg Daniels and Steve Carell have done so well. That's what I'm hoping for. No release date. Obviously, they don't show anything, so it's probably pretty early on in the development, and Netflix just wanted to get people hyped up for it. So, we'll see. If it was... Just seeing Greg Daniels and Steve Carell working on a show together is unbelievably exciting. Yeah. The fact that this is the concept makes me a little worried. So, I'm not as excited as I Especially coming off
1: of Steve Carell's um, part in vice yeah like, he, he had one of the major roles in that movie vice and so like if this is just another way to like bash someone i'm just not like don't even i do not like our president but i don't want to just sit there and watch a show that's around bashing him just because yeah. like it's it's lazy right like that doesn't solve any problems right like it's not entertaining at this point and it doesn't solve a problem. So, like, I don't know. I, I, Yeah, I hope this is just like a funny comedy series. Yes. Like a farcical whatever that doesn't, I, I don't know.
0: I don't know. And if they want to throw some like making fun of the political system or federal agencies or the military stuff, like a little bit of that is totally fine. Yeah. Like Parks and Rec does that a lot and sometimes it does it too much. Sometimes you see the bias of the writers and of Amy Poehler and that's where it starts to get annoying because it's not like let's make fun of everything. It's let's only make fun of Republicans and that is annoying. So if it does that in a unbiased way, that could still be funny. It's, yes. But if, if it's let's make fun of Trump, then it's like come on guys like you're better than this
1: right like we get it i know he's orange he has a lot of money mm-hmm. the classic line i we, we we know all like the memes are tired now for sure it's just right. sad now it, it can't be funny It's sad <laughs> right this is just how we live now we laughed at it at first to cope But now this is just the reality. (laughs) We have to live with it. Okay. Uh, Before we wrap up with the
0: hate of the week, one little thing I wanted to talk about. So in the Giant Bomb Facebook group, uh, there was a post a couple days ago about what are your greatest gaming achievements? And that was just a fun thought exercise to think back of. Like, what are the things I've done in video games that I'm most proud of? And like, not in a braggy way, but just like, yeah, it felt really good to do X. And for me... Well, how about how about you? What what are some of the ones for you?
1: Resident Evil 4 on professional, baby. That's number Have you 1. You
0: beat it on professional like a million times? Well,
1: yeah, like I'm talking the first the time. The first time? Yeah. That how was many, a great How many how
0: many how many times had you beaten the game before you played it on professional? Do you remember?
1: Once, maybe twice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you
0: hadn't memorized everything in the game yet. No. <laughs> that's that's not what I was getting at. Because at this point, you have everything in that game memorized.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a couple playthroughs ago, I found out that there was a barrel that I never knew about. And it holds, I think it has a grenade in it. And mm. it fucking blew my mind. I never knew that grenade was there. All cool. the missed opportunities. <laughs> That's fun. What else? Um, When I earned my Dead Space Platinum on the first Dead Space. It was the first Platinum I ever earned. And it was sure. on the first Dead Space. Yeah. So that was a big one.
0: So is that. Was it just. I mean, was it because that's one of your favorite games or it was super hard or both? Both. Were there um, any, like, particular trophies that were hard to get?
1: Well, there was one where it was only go through the game with the plasma cutter.
0: Ah, uh, so, like, right.
1: Only use the plasma cutter. So, like. That got really hard towards the end game. So I, I did that one on easy because you could. Okay. But I think there was also, like, you had to beat the game in a certain amount of time. Mm. I think I did that in the Plasma Cutter one at the same run through on easy. Um, but, like, on the harder difficulties, that game is really hard. Yeah. Um, and it's not like you can beat the game and then new game plus up the difficulty. You have to, like, right. start fresh with the new difficulty. Right. So I remember that was very difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really happy when I platinumed that game. Um, Similarly. What about you?
0: Yeah, my first platinum was Ratchet & Clank Crack and Time, which wasn't ah. like a particularly hard one to get. I I had to beat the game twice, I think. Yeah, yeah, beat the game once on normal, and then there was a trophy to beat the game on hard, the hardest mode, and to beat it on new game plus. And so I did both of those at the same time. Okay. But that's just that's one of my favorite games ever too. I love the Ratchet & Clank series, and that was just a really good first platinum just cuz like I loved the game and I was happy to play through it twice. Yeah. And that inspired me to get two other Ratchet & Clank Platinums. I got the Into the Nexus Platinum and the 2016 PS4 Remake. I got that Platinum, which similar process. So, But that in Kraken Time in particular, there was one trophy. It was a bronze trophy for getting uh. like 10,000 points. In the My Blaster Runs hot minigame, <sighs> yes. the Captain Quark minigame, where it's oh, like an man. arcade cabinet where you play it. It was so fucking hard to get to that score threshold. It took me hours to get there, and it was a bronze trophy, but I <laughs> did it. So, yeah, that one actually did. More, so, more than just being my first one, that one did feel good because that was a really hard trophy to get. <laughs> Uh, and then also, for me, beating Mass Effect 3 on Insanity Mode. So that, right. again, like, it's not... It, it was hard. It wasn't, like, the hardest thing I've ever done in a game. But because that... I, that Doing it on Insanity Mode got me the Platinum Trophy for Mass Effect 3. That okay. kind of made it feel that much better. And I had tried a couple of times, and I was burnt out, like, halfway through. Just getting sick of, like, the Phantoms are so hard on Insanity Mode because they have the bubble shield that stop you from throwing powers at them they sneak up on you and they w- can one shot kill you all of the the reaper enemies like the big brute enemies the um uh oh what are the ones that scream what are the, what were those called i don't remember anymore whatever they're really tall they're the asari version of reapers oh, they like right. scream at you and they have the those are there's one particular level where i think you're in london it's towards the end of the game where you need to like hack a couple of things in this big area, and it's infinite brutes and whatever the I need to look it up the the big reaper um, asari. It just keeps throwing them at you over and over again, and that was so such a hard level banshee yeah. banshees. banshees. That's right. That was so freaking hard. I hated that level, but so that was that was very satisfying to get through it and, and beat it on insanity and get that platinum trophy because while. The ending of that game sucks ass, and I hated how it doesn't really have side missions. It's still, like, the gameplay in it is so much of the best in Mass Effect that it was fun to do. Did you have any, like, super extra difficulty other other modes in games? The Last of Us on Grounded.
1: That okay. was so hard. Is that the hardest mode? Because That's the like hardest mode, where you okay. can't use the listening, all the uh... ammo. Like, it takes more to craft stuff. You find less stuff. That was really hard because there yeah. are some segments where it like it forces you into open combat mm-hmm. and that is so difficult um yeah. but it taught me some really neat tricks like when you're Ellie in the winter months and you're in that we like that building um and you kind of have this like there's like an upper portion yeah, and there's a lower a mall, portion in the right? hallway yeah. Yeah, and, like, all the enemies keep coming in, and there's, like, a bunch of clickers, and there's that big bloater dude that comes in at the end, too. Um, It taught me a neat trick where if I position myself behind the NPC guy who's there, played by um, Nolan North, uh, he will, like, take the brunt of the attacks. Like, he'll grapple with an enemy, and I can then, like, go stab it. Like, he'll stagger it, and I can then go in and stab it. Because with Ellie, you have infinite... Like, your knife doesn't break. Yeah. So you can save a lot of ammo that way. But then the other problem with Last of Us is the weird thing. If you aren't using ammo to kill enemies, they drop less ammo. Mm. So it's like you're using your knife to kill them, so you're not getting ammunition. Yeah. Yeah. It's... That was a... that, That difficulty on that game is tremendously hard. Nice. Um i remember beating that felt very good um <laughs> also beating every song on expert for the first time in guitar hero 2 sure that was a good feeling and now like every time i earn a gold star on a song because i have like seven or eight gold stars which is 100 percent flawless whatever oh, okay i have like seven or eight of those those feel really really yeah, good to get
0: yeah it's better to like when because you still play that game occasionally and so it's yeah. like
1: I'm, st- uh, I'm still earning my gold stars. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Someday you'll get all of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> some of them are not going to happen. Yeah. Uh,
0: So my, some of mine So saw getting the Platinum Trophy in Skyrim on PS3 and on PS4 and the Fallout 4 Platinum Trophy. And none of those were, like, super hard to get. But they're incredibly time-consuming to get. And okay. especially for me because I'm not going to, like, only focus on doing those. Because, like, you need to do all of the side the major side quests for the different guilds. You need to beat this, beat the game. You need to get all 10 Daedric artifacts, like some stuff that requires a huge, significant amount of time investment. So like, I don't think you can get the platinum in any one of those games, or at least in Skyrim without playing for like a hundred hours. So that's more just about like the time commitment. It took to get three platinums in those Bethesda games. Yeah. feels good. And maybe Um, someday I'll go back and get the fallout three platinum.
1: Yeah. I also have a Bethesda one. And this isn't about, like, beating a game. This is about, like, uh, doing something cool, like breaking the game in a fun way. Yeah. Uh, So in Oblivion, uh, there is a Thief Guild quest line where towards the end you have to steal an Elder Scroll from the Imperial Tower. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after you steal the Elder Scroll, you basically have to fall down this chute in the tower all the way down. And it's a tremendous fall. And you're supposed to die. So you have these boots from a famous thief, Springheel Jack, who mm-hmm. it, it ups your acrobatic skill by fifty and like helps you survive the fall. But if you wear them, they break, and they are Kay. gone. So I didn't wear them. I instead <laughs> crafted potions of uh, like buffing my health and buffing my acrobatics, and yeah. I just chugged them cuz you can do effect stacking in that game if you do it right. Okay. And I did that and then fell and I survived. So survived. Like plenty of health left. So yeah. I was able to run around with the boots of Springheel jack for the rest nice. of the game. So I had 100 acrobatic skill just cuz I jumped everywhere and then I equipped the boots so I had 150 <laughs> acrobatic skill. Yeah. So like I w- and I went to Braville cuz most of the the cities have houses that are still too tall for you to jump on. But in Breville, there are some squatter houses or, like, they have, like, balconies that jut out. I found a spot in Breville I could jump up on a house and then leap across houses with my 150 acrobatics and then jump outside of the walls of Breville (laughs) uh, when, it like, the game was not loaded in. Like, it was just your basic, horrible-looking terrain. Right. Um, And I ran all the way into Skyrim before Skyrim even came out. That's I awesome. went off the map into Skyrim That's because hilarious. of my boots of spring Heel jack that I saved.
0: So that accomplishment was more about like finding a way to break the game, right? <laughs> I like that. Um, my yeah. last one is probably my greatest accomplishment because I don't know—I don't know anyone that has done it. I'm sure some people have because it, I'm obvious, but is getting all 242 stars in Super Mario Galaxy in the That's first That's a one. nightmare. It, that it was so hard so many <laughs> levels that are so hard the purple star levels there are a couple of them because there's a bunch of like hidden levels that you needed to, to go in right. and, and do and the, some of the hidden purple star cuz like purple star levels are extra hard and then there are hidden purple star levels that are even harder versions of those <laughs> and there's one in particular that you have to do where every it's a bunch of uh tiles and every time you you touch a tile it disappears and there are, there's a purple star on, like, every single tile, plus there are purple stars not on tiles, so you have to figure out how you jump to get the tiles. And basically, you need to map out the entire thing in order to get all of them. And I was able to do that with Mario. And then you have to do it again with Luigi. Because <laughs> that's part of getting all 242, is you have to do every single level as Mario, and then every single level as Luigi. And being Luigi makes it even more difficult for a lot of the levels because he, like he, he, I think he can jump farther or he has like the head jump that make they can go farther, but he slides. It's all, right. it's like he's always on ice, which makes really pinpoint jumps so much harder to do. I remember like because this was I remember playing I think it was in, it was in high school when I played it. I remember I had a buddy uh, that was really into Super Mario Galaxy as well. And I remember like going into school the next day after I got all of them and being like, "Hey, Brixie, I got all 242 stars." And he was like,
1: "What? Are you serious?" <laughs> so that was
0: that was probably my greatest gaming achievement. And I still <laughs> I still brag about that occasionally. I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I got all 242 in Super Mario Galaxy. It was so <laughs> fucking hard, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun." All right. So, despite all of that positivity and reminiscing, how about we do a hate of the week? <laughs> This is an easy one, and it's probably one everybody can agree with, and I just hate people that park and drive like assholes, like intentionally. It just really frustrates me, and I had two experiences that proved this in like the past week, so we went to, um, oh, it was two days in a row. That's what it was, so we had our baby shower this past week on Sunday. We got a lot, a lot of awesome gifts. It was a really good time. We got home very late because we also stayed and watched football at my in-laws. So we had all of our presents in the backseat. My wife is very pregnant, so she can't carry anything. We get home. Our parking lot in front of our complex, or like our particular building, is always fairly full. Because people have people over. A lot of people break the rules, and you're not allowed to have more than two cars per apartment. But I know people that have three three cars. So it's always pretty full, and especially at night it can be hard to find a parking space. Well, with my car full of presents that I need to carry in, my pregnant wife who can't help, 20 degree weather, I pull in to go park and there's a really good spot like right in front of our building. And the dude has parked to take up both spots. Like he has parked in in the middle of the line, oh like my intentionally God. to take up both of them. And so instead, I it's it's kind of hard to explain. We kind of live in a um Uh, like a circle area where the middle of it is this like play park and the big circle around it is the parking spaces. Our building is at the top of the circle. I had to go and park at the bottom of the circle. So I had to walk all the way back and I didn't carry the presents in because there was no way I was going to take like six trips in 20 degree weather at midnight to do this. So I wrote on a post-it note, you park like an asshole and put it on his window. <laughs> Which felt very satisfying. And my wife was very angry at me for doing that. She's like, you're going to be a father. You can't do this. What if he's a psychopath? What if he murders you and he saw you and next time you go to your car, he stabs you? Like, you can't do that anymore. It'll Boy, still have it been felt worth really it. really good. Yeah, it felt <laughs> really good. And then the next day, we went to Ikea to... Uh, We needed to buy because, you know, we didn't get everything we needed for our baby shower. So we needed to buy like a changing table slash dresser and that kind of stuff and Ikea had to sale. So we went there and bought it. And as we were going out, um, Ikea has specific parking spaces for loading. So like when you buy stuff, you pull your car into the loading dock that is right next to the door. So you don't have to cart everything to the parking lot, which is much farther away. Every single loading dock parking space was full. Not one... And this is like 30 parking spaces. Not one of them had a person that was loading. All of them were people that just parked there to go shop. And I'm hoping they have, like, security around that will give these people tickets. But my assumption is, no, they don't. Otherwise, people wouldn't continue to do this. So, we had to, like... Take our cart, which was really heavy. We had three different dressers and a bunch of other crap on our cart. And I had to push it all the way to the other side of the building. Mo- I moved my car. There was like a family-friendly parking for families with little kids. And all of those spaces were full too. Which, that's not their fault. Assuming they all have kids. Maybe some of them don't. But I went ahead and just double parked in front of a bunch of cars. And loaded in there and then left. It didn't matter. like Nobody was waiting for me. But I was just like so fucking done. And I was so mad that that many people... There are signs in each of those parking spaces that says active loading only. That many people, 30 people, would say, yeah, but I'm more important than that. (laughs) That is, like, so... Like, one or two people, fine. There are always going to be those couple of people that are douchebags. But 30 people? Come on, guys. Like, let's... We're living in a society, as George Cassandra (laughs) would say.
1: We're living... In this society,
0: <laughs>
1: supposed to behave in a civilized way.
0: <laughs> so I hate people that park and drive like assholes. The end. Uh, so how about with something we don't hate? Sure. I don't hate that in two weeks, we're going to be fully moved into our new place. And I will have been at my job for over a month. So hopefully a lot of the like, I don't know what I'm doing, will be gone. So hopefully like, it'll be normalized. My life will be normalized a little bit
1: by the time we record the next episode. Yeah, that's big. It's a lot of big stuff. Um, I don't hate that I get to earn some extra cash this weekend. Yeah, buddy. I'm working some events that, unfortunately, I don't get to play Resident Evil 2 all that much. But I get to make some money because I need it. <laughs> But you, for, for the majority of it, because during the performances and stuff, you don't need to, like, pay attention, right? Because I know you so read there a lot. it depends. Um, I'm supposed to have two crew kids, but the one crew kid has not yet gotten back to me about whether or not she can actually be there. That's good. Um, yeah, high schoolers. So, we'll see. I may wind up having to be backstage.
0: Oh, uh, Yeah. That would make it significantly less fun, because then you can't sit up in the light booth and like read or play your Switch. Right. Well, at least you'll get you'll be getting paid either way. Right. That's good. So, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, Kyle, thank you for joining and chit-chatting yeah. about some video games and some news and whatnot. Check out it's Everything.com. You can look at the show notes. We'll have links to all the news stories, everything we talked about in this episode. Uh, and there's some also some some good content. You can look at Kyle's top 10 games of 2018. You can read my review of God of War so that you can be proven that Kyle's opinion is false and wrong. You can read my <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming review, which will also show you how wrong Kyle is. There's a lot of good content on there, so check it out, com. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace out.